0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of Deez Spaces. You're about to listen to a conversation between Dee's and Eric Rubens, a world-renowned commercial and private photographer who has found great success in the crossover to NFTs. They discuss Eric's successes and failures in building a massive brand and social media following, as well as much, much more. As always, please make sure to subscribe to Spotify and iTunes as it helps us grow the channel so that others can become aware of these wonderful conversations. Without further ado, thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: Should we kick things off?
2: Yeah, you had so many good salient talking points that we could go through. (laughs) Um, We were going to start with like kind of your tale of social media and everything, uh, not everything you've learned because we'd be here all night, but like a synopsis of like the big picture things you've learned over time and like uh, some pitfalls that we want to look out for and maybe not fall into ourselves as a community yeah, of collectors and creators?
1: For sure. Why don't we, um, maybe we recap the last week just in like the photography community in general because I think it was like a pretty incredible week. Like with Cass 100 ETH sale, uh, like Ravi just released that explosion of color, which was absolutely incredible and has done like what, over 500 a volume. He continues to like push the bar outside of photography, which I think is like a really, I mean, that's almost a whole nother talking point to see someone who, is so established in this field, but is never content and always wants to try to explore other creative avenues. So I think that's like something that we could talk to a bit later as well. Um, but then you got like Drift, you got Jacob, all with consistently big sales in the photo world and Dave, like launching that hundred cars projects. I know you got a couple cars, right? I
2: got one car. Yeah. I um, you got one got outbid on all the auctions. I was thinking like, oh, you know, I'll go up to like five, maybe 10 and then everyone else was like, now we're gonna go to 28. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> that's cool for me.
1: Yeah, no, I just think it was like a, an awesome week. And uh, I mean, it seems like there's obviously fluctuations in the market as a whole. Um, it's, I mean, obviously compared to traditional financial markets that get injections of funds to stabilize them quite a bit. I mean, it seems like the the crypto space is just a lot more, drastic highs and lower lows but it just seems like we continue to push forward as a community and there's despite the week even you know whether the price of ethereum is is rising drastically or falling it seems like there's still like major milestones in the community that we consistently get to celebrate each week which is a really cool thing
2: yeah like today might be a rough day for uh people who don't have a balanced portfolio and weren't exposed uh (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't even I don't even look anymore. I just I get the notifications on Coinbase if it goes up or down 5%. So obviously, I think I got pinged once or twice today. But I just don't even like try to pay attention to it anymore. Because I feel like if you I just kind of tie it back into like the whole Instagram and social media algorithm, if you if you get consumed by factors outside of your control, and obviously the fluctuating price of the currency, I have no control over whatsoever. So if I start trying to let that dictate my strategy and be like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna release this, you know, this picture, or this collection because you know the market's doing this or this. Like, I feel like it just throws you off your rhythm and completely gets you out of sync with something you've potentially been planning for weeks and weeks. So, I think that's like a pretty, a pretty interesting uh, talking point as well, is to just not let factors outside of your control dictate your, your happiness, your strategy, um, or just kind of your overall. Um, goals in any industry
2: yeah we've talked a bit about that on the spaces how um the the algorithm controls so many parts of your life now that you know whether it's twitter showing you um your top tweets instead of your latest tweets or whether you're on instagram looking at explorer you're on google you know searching anything it's all algorithms feeding you stuff and it's important to uh not let that you know control your creative process and control what you're optimizing for, and I think um, that's one of the things we talked about on the Up Only episode today with Dave. Was about like people who used to just design for the algorithms in Web two. Um, you try to maximize attention, whereas in Web three, you're kind of trying to maximize community or maximize like your collector base more rather than like yeah. all of the attention on the platform and how you know different content works for one thing but maybe not the other and it's something that like people coming over from instagram you know should think about i think a little more in their approach to joining the community and collaborating
1: yeah i think dave is a great guy to keep your eye on Um, i've known him for probably six or seven years now and I know he says that the thing he likes most about the whole web through environment is the focuses on community and the creator a little bit more, but that's something that he's prioritized in every single venture he's done. I mean, even back when, in the early days of Instagram, he was leading so many efforts in New York city. He was always having photo meetups on all the uh, he's on Sony's collective with me. We've been on that for probably like four or five years just together, but it seems like every single event he's like spearheading some sort of like community event outside of like the main Sony event. So I think he's been like very consistent um, in his community first approach, regardless of the avenue or like discipline that he's pursuing. He's always kind of prioritized that first. So it's cool to see him finally getting rewarded in an environment that prioritizes that a little bit more like uh, the NFT space.
2: Yeah, it's awesome to watch and be a part of. Um, It's one of those things where like, I have no background as a Web2 creator. Like my Web2, when I think of like, web 2 and photography i think of like when i stopped using instagram in 2016 and never thought about it again until i bought a twin planes um so i have a giant god that
1: must there. be nice that must be nice
2: <laughs> there. there's just like a black wait pit. i
3: was i was sure you were an instagram model these
2: <laughs> i have a uh face for radio fruit that's, why,
3: that's,
1: that's his why, his his, his finsta. His fences all his modeling photo, photos.
3: Yeah, he I'm, has like five hundred thousand followers. He does portraits for I'd, the covers.
1: I would love to dig that one up.
2: Oh man, I I'll mint it. I got so well, I don't know. Like I think I just got so in the rabbit hole with sports shit and crypto and gaming that like I wasn't drawn to the big platforms for photography at all.
4: That
1: makes sense. I mean, yeah, I guess it. I mean, I only know it as, like, a very media-forward platform, so photo-video world, and then obviously, like, nowadays, I'm, like, kind of my bread and butter is, like, the travel space, so I'm a lot more ingrained with, like, hospitality, airlines, um, that kind of stuff, but, I mean, I would think that Instagram's, like, all about finding, like, different niche communities, so I'm surprised you didn't utilize it for, like, gaming or, or something else that you're into at I was time. one
2: of those people who was on Reddit for far too long, and then... Gotcha. when I got into crypto, I, I got off Reddit and like buried myself in the confines of crypto Twitter, where it was just like, we're gonna wake up and shit post for the bear market to get through it, and we're gonna like joke about killing ourselves in discords.
1: Man, Man Reddit is the, the worst for photography, like, you don't even want to be near that if you're a photographer. I, I've hardly spent any time on Reddit, but I'm pretty sure any single photographer in the audience can go through like an absolute horror story of posting a photo that they're <laughs> super proud of. And just getting absolutely wrecked on Reddit.
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, the average or the median Redditor isn't someone I would want to hang out with in real life. So it's not like something I want to put myself into these days.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, but, why don't we, um, I'm trying to think, why don't we go back to like, talk a little bit about the early days of Instagram and kind of like different trends and community aspects that kind of were valued at the time and kind of some parallels that I see between that and the space that we're in now. And then we can kind of talk about the digression, uh, where it stands presently, which is obviously a lot of people not too happy with it, um, which is another (laughs) debate that we can have. But um, kind of talk about that evolution and like you said, maybe try to avoid having like a similar fate to the creator community over on uh, Instagram.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think open it up with some backstory about how the early days of Instagram were more community focused and how you see parallels to, you know, where we are now in the NFT space and then like, you know, where we might wanna diverge so that we don't go down the same road.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I can bring it back to like my kind of introduction to Instagram. So for those who don't know my story, I was an electrical engineer at the time. And I was just looking for an after work hobby, like something to do at 5pm to end each day on, on a note that was non work related. So every single day after work, I would jam to the beach in San Diego. And it was kind of like a classic, like right place at the right time story where it was, you know, 2012, 2013. And I was, I had no introduction to photography whatsoever. I just had an iPhone and I would take sunset photos and In the beginning, obviously there's, there's no agencies at this point in time, brands haven't committed like any sort of, uh, marketing resources to social media. I mean, they're probably doing a little bit on Facebook, but in terms of like Instagram, nothing at that point in time. And so for me, it was so cool that I could like post a photo of the sunset in San Diego. And not only would I have local people in San Diego reach out and be like, Oh, that's cool. I couldn't get off work in time. Like, thanks for, for posting it. But I'd also have like a guy in France, write me And be like, Oh my gosh, I've always wanted to visit San Diego. Like, like, thanks for the inspiration. So in the early days, it was like, it was purely like inspirational for me. I would sit there and like, I'd go on browse, like other cities around the world. I would talk to people who are legitimate photographers. Um, And and at that point in time, I was, I guess, like a a classic, like uh, inspiring to be a photographer. But I mean, like, I never thought that I would ever make a dollar through photography. It was just kind of like a little pipe dream. And so in the early days of Instagram, uh, there's this guy named Jeffrey Gerson. I think a lot of the early guys on Instagram will know who he is, but his job as a community manager for North America was to basically grow and prioritize the community. So he would have like spearhead Instameets around the whole continent, really, like North and South America. Um, And he was just like such a dynamic force in the early days to building a non-competitive community. And I think that's one of the keys and like struggles that we're gonna have to navigate as a community is in the early days when there was no money involved, obviously like it breeds a very non-competitive environment, right? Like everyone is meeting up together, shooting together, posting cool photos. There's not really like a financial incentive behind it. And of course people like broke off from there and started getting jobs. And I think what happened in 2014 and 2015 is after a couple of years of these Insta meets and like a really budding community, what happens? Like it starts to commercialize more. It's, it's inevitable in any sort of industry And I think you're going to find that that's one big thing that's already starting to happen to our NFT space and is going to happen a lot more over the next year or two is the inevitable commercialization. Like brands are going to start wanting to dip their feet in. And I think it's on us to govern that interaction and make sure they do it authentically. So how does that happen? We have to find like the right people they can work with, like make sure that they're not jumping in and jumping out. Like maybe they spend like whoever, like they're point of contact is, like spends like a good month or two, like talking to people in the community, like seeing where the gaps in the market are, like how they can come in and involve people who have spent a lot of time and resources, like being a part of this community from day one. Um, And I think that that will be seen as like not a cash grab, right? Because I mean, I think we've seen a couple of brands jump in and really just jump in and jump out with like a project. And it kind of leaves you with like a sour taste in the mouth, like the same reason like brands would jump in on Instagram and do... A quick campaign and then they'd like bounce and you wouldn't hear from them again that was like kind of always the the frustrating part for me on social media in the early days was it just seemed like very impersonal it's like okay i i built up an audience of you know a couple hundred thousand pretty early on and i would do a campaign and then you know it'd be over and then i wouldn't hear from them and i would jump to a completely different industry and do a campaign and it would be over and i wouldn't hear from them again and i think just after like years and years of that happening it just leaves such a sour taste in your mouth and it really leaves you like wanting to build like something more substantial when it comes to relationships. So I think for me, I talked about it a little bit on like the last space we had These like the, my priority the last like year or two has been on building longer term relationships. So I sat down and I made kind of like a business roadmap. I listed out like all the industries that I aspire to work in. So I had like airline, cruises, uh, clothing, food and beverage, like a car, automobile, uh, electronics. And then I kind of listed out like three or four partners who I wanted to go after, who I thought would be like really fun to work with. That I'd always aspired to work for. Um, I've used their products a lot, so I know it's authentic. So I kind of had that as like a strategy roadmap. And I just focused on like, instead of like bouncing around to all these different jobs, like why don't I just try to get one person in each industry, get to know like their marketing director, their social media director, try to like ingrain myself in the company a little bit more and build like something that lasts like outside of me posting once on my social and then completely bouncing. So I think that's like something that is like a lesson that we can use in this space is how do we get these brands to come in? And instead of planning out like a single campaign, how do we get them to plan out like a six month or 12 month roadmap with like our creators, with different people in the community? And that would kind of ensure that they're not like jumping in and jumping out and just doing something uh, without good intentions behind it. Sorry, I just rambled for, like, a good 10 minutes, but (laughs) quite a few talking points there.
2: I think that's a lot to digest right there, but what you said at the very end specifically about having a uh, longer-term plan once they get into the community, I'm keeping my eye on, like, Mike Tyson. Like, for some reason, he's the first person that comes to mind for me when it comes to, like, someone who came from the traditional world but, like, collected some things first and... His kind of yeah. stuck around and i'm like curious to see what he's going to keep doing and then obviously like gary v is running his whole v friends uh i was called it an operation but yeah i'll just call it that uh, and, yeah you know he isn't going anywhere he's staking his entire reputation on it but i think you do have to force some type of long-term bond um and i think we've seen some of the cash grabby people get i don't want to say shunned but um, their stuff isn't talked about. Their community isn't vocal and um, or existent in some cases. Like a lot of the people who came on Nifty Gateway, especially toward the end, had some underwhelming drops. Um, especially when like people yeah. like Dead Dead Mouse are doing shit that says like this is a uh, step, this how to make profit with NFTs, like low effort money grab type stuff. And he's even right. poking at the irony, but it's still like you know that stuff didn't do well no one's retrading it but the trading value of it is yeah. so low and we have kind of raised up these grassroots projects like the apes and cool cats and all these other communities that have sprung up just because like they're so oriented on their communities
1: yeah i think we have like a lot more educated uh community as a whole which i think is is probably why we're able to easily identify which projects seem like a cash grab and which people we've seen dedicate like a lot of time to the space before they launch something. So I think you can kind of draw the same parallel to like the people in our, and when I say R, I'm talking like mostly the photography space, but look at the people who are doing like incredibly well right now. It's like Justin, he spent so much time on the front end before he launched his product. And now he, his project is being rewarded because he put in that time and that effort to involve and build like relations in the community before you launch something. Same thing with like, Kath, with Ravi, with Dave, like JN down there, like all those guys. and I almost say guys, Kath too, but all these people like have spent so much time uh, as a member of the community for months before they even like thought about minting their own stuff and trying to get in. So I think that's like a really telltale sign that people value um, not just rushing into this space. And if you're frustrated. By coming here, you know, in July or August, and minting something, and maybe not having it sell yet. I think that's kind of a realization you have to have. Is like a lot of people put months and months in on the front end before they tried to sell stuff. So maybe just like take a step back and be like a little more patient, and just keep getting to know people, building those relationships, and then get to the point where you start focusing on sales a little bit more.
2: So like David, hundred percent. I know David with All Ships has had interviews with like artists and collectors basically like every day for like the whole pandemic like for
1: for months yeah for months i remember seeing those
2: and scroll it's just like an infinite scroll of all these different conversations he's had with people in the space and it's like that all last year yeah it's crazy um but it's like that level of commitment to the space is what you know really elevates your ceiling as an artist in this space it's not necessarily like the art itself is phenomenal but all the art here is phenomenal in most ways. Like I can look at most things and be like, Oh, that looks great. But it's like, okay, now it needs like to have another layer on top of it with the creator themselves.
1: Yeah. So that's, that was like another point we were going to talk about is uh, the factors that can lead to sales nowadays. I feel like, and I think you agree with me, like there's so many incredible artists out there. And that's one thing that this space has done is raise awareness to all the incredibly talented people out there. And it's something I even realized like a few years ago on Instagram, I was like, there are so many good photographers out there. It's insane. Like if you're, a, if you're a brand and you're starting up, you have like thousands of people you can work with potentially who would probably deliver like a really solid product at the end of the day. So I think nowadays when you look at sales and the people who are doing well in this space or even just well in like the commercial space in general, I don't know if it's always just for their art anymore. And that's kind of like, it's a, it's a good and bad thing, right? I mean, like I think a lot of times that the art is not the main factor that leads to the point of sale anymore. It's the person behind it. It's their story. um, It's like the relationship they have with the collectors. I know for a fact, I mean, I don't know if this is like a secret or anything, but I don't, I don't know many people who have sold like works for a good amount of money and haven't been talking to like the collectors ahead of time. I mean, I've pretty much every sale I've ever done. I had like a talk going with the people ahead of time and like was getting to know them and, I didn't send them a link to my work, but I was, like, just getting to, like, learn their interests, like, talking about my career, um, just kind of, like, building the relationship on the back end, and then a sale happens, right? So, I mean, I think that that's something people can try to prioritize is instead of just leading really heavy with, like, here's a link to my work, you know, like, hey, here's, here's a link to another drop. Like, maybe you can talk to people about something a little bit outside of work. Um, just get to know them, like, interests outside of purely collecting and interests outside of, for yourself out of purely selling stuff. And then, um, see if sales will happen like a little more naturally after that.
2: You really give like a masterclass on how to do that as an artist, uh, of all the artists I've talked to since I joined specifically the photography space. Like, I think you are by far the most like personable and you're genuinely authentic in how personable you are. Like you actually want to know like stuff about me or my family or like my interests and what I'm doing like that has nothing to do with your art. Um, yeah, man, it's cuz it, I'm creepy. <laughs> I, I imagine you have like this list and You just have a list and you're just like adding bullet points oh, to yeah. this a massive list.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, man. I'm I'm fin- I'm rounding out my my uh, full page on you. I just need a couple more talking points.
2: <laughs> but it's so um, like I I think people in the space specifically anyone like struggling with sales to just like look at how you approach it and look at your interactions on social media too. It's um, always uplifting and always genuine. So I, I think it's like your great role model for the younger and newer people to this space.
1: I appreciate that. I um, I can tell you a couple of reasons why I think that I guess I gravitate towards that method a little bit more. I think like I've done so much work in the commercial space and a lot of times I have to travel with the client. So like I'm signed to a a couple year like long partnership with United Airlines. So I have to travel with their social people and like their marketing team, like on a monthly basis. So when you have to travel with a client um, or you're just even around a client for sometimes like an entire week or two on shoots, you want it to be more than just like a business relationship, right? Like you want to be actually friends with the people when you have to work with them 10, 12, 14 hours a day. So I think for me, I kind of take that same approach when I'm selling my work is like, I don't want it to be like a transactional relationship. I don't want to just be like, oh, hey, hey, D's like, here's a new picture. Like, do you want to buy it? Like, I would just rather get to know people. And of course, if I sometime like have something that comes out that strikes your interest, it would be great. But if not, like I'd rather just try to build friendships in this space outside of transactional relationships. And I also view it the same as like when someone, so I have like a house and dude, every single week, someone comes to my house and tries to sell me solar panels for my roof every single week. And it's like, I keep thinking about that because I'm like, dude, this guy doesn't like talk to me when I'm mowing the lawn. He just like only comes and talks to me when he wants to sell me a solar panel and I'm not going to buy it from him. But if my friend or like someone else I was talking to happened to have a side business where they're selling solar panels, oh, by the way, I'm kind of interested in getting solar from my house. What do you know? I might actually buy it from him just because I like the guy and I like want to invest in him. So I think that that goes a long way is like you're investing a lot of times in the friendship you're investing in. The person you're investing in, like their brand as a whole, maybe just as much, if not more, than you're investing in like a single piece of art.
5: I think you make some really important points. I think also one thing I wanted to touch upon is some people just treat collectors as if these like these money machines, but actually there's real people behind these screens. And you want to build a relationship and a bond with them rather than just shill at them. I see some people just shill at people all day, and I'm thinking, if you don't build a relationship with this collector, then why are they going to want to collect from you out of the, you know, D's probably gets like a thousand people shilling at him all day. Why is he going to want to collect a piece from someone who's just constantly shilling at him, rather than someone who wants to build a bond and a connection with them?
6: I think that's totally true, too. And, like, even what you were saying, Eric, too, getting in with like just talking about like interests like i have a whole group of people who have collected from me or other people or just people who i've met here and we just have like a college football and an nfl football um like text group or a dm group that we have and that's way more fun than talking about new drops or something that's coming out
2: One thing, too, I like that you do, David, that a lot of people might not know about is the podcasts. And, you know, you'll sit down with another artist and just talk to them and then share that combo. But I think the longer form stuff is um, best for, like, the true collectors and fans who really want to get to know the artists they're collecting from more. And um, I personally, like, I really like the YouTube videos Jay does, where it's like, you know, 15 minutes breaking down the meaning behind pieces. I like the podcast people do where they get in and talk about their project, their collection. Like, that's why I like the spaces so much because it lets me talk to all sorts of artists about whatever they're working on and pick their brain. But it really helps toward building those connections for, I think, a healthier community of collectors and creators.
7: Hmm. You nailed it right there, Dee's... And Eric, too, speaking about that earlier, it's just so important to try to establish just who you are and what you're about and as an individual and also to, to help proliferate that for other people. And, yeah, I think once you're able to re- – I mean, it's so funny with Eric talking about – I haven't talked to a single person. I mean, you. sorry, you, you hadn't uh, – spoken had not spoken to someone before they had bought something and it's just like yeah of course you're establishing you're trying to get to know people who are trying to invest in you as a person and what your vision is and it's like hey man you're wait we share these interests your interest you you know sorry i can't i can't get this out well but you get the idea what i'm saying Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. I think that that's one of the keys is like you're investing in people as a brand. And if we truly believe that this space is going to have a long-term or like a long-standing value more so than just like a one or two year bubble, then you need to invest in people beyond their ability to just like pump out a good photo or two. So like the people that I want to invest in are the ones who are thought leaders, who are like doing multiple ventures outside of just taking photos. Like I know Most of the time, like when I see someone's work, I I can tell they take a good photo. Like, there's a lot of people who take good photos. So, I think you're looking for people who are pushing the bar, who are trying to launch new initiatives in our space that will benefit like a lot of people, Um, people who are bringing brands into the space, because I know that that will benefit us all at the end of the day as more money flows in. Um, So, I'm really looking for people who are. Trying to be multidisciplinary, which brings me to my next point, Dees, which I really want to talk about. And I really wanted Ruby up here. I don't, I don't see him. But um. so one of the points that I really wanted to talk about, which I, I've thought about, like since the beginning of my career, actually longer than my career in arts, like it's gone back to ever since I was like trying to be a professional tennis player. And then I got to be an engineer and now I'm a photographer. But one thing I always, a question I kind of always internally struggled with is the philosophy around trying to be the best you can at one skill so trying to basically master so for me let's say it's photography like being the best photographer I can be just dedicating my entire life to taking the best photos um or do you try to be like a jack of all trades you try to be 80 90 percent good at four or five different things which is something I like I think I gravitate a lot more towards like I'm very interested in startups tech business photography um so I feel like I can't give all my time and effort to one thing because it would come at the expense of my curiosity and interest like outside of the photography world so i'm curious to hear from like other artists like if they kind of have always dreamed about like being the best at one thing or i don't know like let other di- let other interests dictate like their time and efforts um, and what they
7: pursue well that's a really interesting point you know, I, I feel like you know, being a jack of all trades versus being really good at something. You know, it can it can come in cycles as well. It's like I personally speaking, I go from like one thing to another thing, and then you always come back to the other. And then what you learn as you go through these cycles of these things that are just radically like who you are and what you love to do, they become cumulative, and you start to learn more. And the the, the things that you already do start to inform the next decisions on the other thing that you're doing. And you know that's what's so cool about about this space is that it can become so multi disciplinary as well and you just, one hand can wash the other and then you can find more people who share these ideas and then help them into the space and,
1: yeah Yeah, I think that's a great a great point. I think it does evolve over time. I think maybe when you're just starting off doing something like right when I got into photography, sure maybe I aspired to be like an incredible photographer. So your interests and your time management is dedicated a lot more towards that. But kind of how my career has evolved is I got to a point where I thought I was like all my jobs in photography, I was able to easily manage them. And then I asked myself, like, what is the one thing holding me back? And at the time back in, in Instagram, it was probably like around 2016, 2017 video was like starting to take off a lot more. And I thought I like, wasn't very good at video. So I was like, well, I don't want a brand to have to like go to someone else to do a video job. And I can, I'm like, sorry, I can only do photos. So I basically dedicated like eight to 10 hours a day for a year trying to learn premiere and like how to shoot video. I got different lenses. I got a different, a different camera. And so I spent a good couple of years studying that. And I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I feel like I can do a good enough job on the platform. I'm never going to be a Sam Colder or like, you know, do crazy transitions or land like these big films, but that's not like really what I aspire to be. I feel like I'm good enough to do like a really solid job for a client. So maybe I should move on to learning something else. That's like holding me back which at that point in time was probably like my business. It was like my pitch decks, like how to form ideas for brands, like creative directing. So I focused a lot more on that, like the last two or three years. So I think that's kind of like one thing, like you said, it, it kind of just evolves over the course of your career. Maybe you find something like a an area that you're lacking or something that's holding you back from being the best that you can be. So you dedicate a little bit more to- time towards that. But I will say that the people who get to the, be the best in the world in sports or like some of the not geophotographers who dedicate, you know, like a three month expedition to getting a certain shot. Um, that's like, I guess the equivalent of being like a master in one skill. And they do get to a pinnacle that like, I fully realize, like I will never be at. So I think it's just pros and cons to each thing and kind of what you aspire to do.
8: Yeah. I was gonna say, like where you're at in your life. I mean, calls for different things. So, like, I was a glass artist for 10 years and absolutely love that. And I've been on Twitch and done different things on Twitch where, you know, I started with gaming and I did different things because I had different interests. And then I found photography this year, which I absolutely love. And, you know, I I don't think I'm the best at it by any means. I do love my work and I enjoy the hell out of it. And it's brought me adventures and um, being able to... connect with others, which is one of the biggest things. And then when I found this space, you know, a few months ago, I never imagined, you know, what it would turn out to be. Like, I never imagined, like, at first I'd fall in love with the community and be a part of that. And then, you know, I found a need for mental health spaces. And, you know, that's something that's always been important to me. So I divide my time to do that because I found that need for the community. And it's brought me some of the greatest joys. So while I divide my time to do different things, so I'm kind of like Eric. I'm like, jack of all trades, (laughs) Um, master of not really much, but, um, you know, and I enjoy all those different things. And I don't think, you know, those all bring me fulfillment in my life. Um, So I I don't see the harm. And, you know, again, it's whatever you find a need in your life for different things.
1: Yeah, those are great points. I think it goes back to uh, what Malcolm Gladwell, who said like, what you need 10,000 hours in a certain discipline to be a quote unquote expert in it. But I think when you look at the skill curve, you pick up something very quick. And then over a period of time, there's like a little bit of diminishing returns as you approach that 10,000 hour milestone, like you're, the, your level that you're improving starts slowing down quite a bit. So I think maybe it's just becoming self-aware of that if you do have other interests, at which point Does it maybe make sense to start diversifying and learning like a new hobby or skill? I also read that one time that if you read two books on any given subject, you know more than 98% of the world on that subject. So that's something else uh, to consider. (laughs) A quick little hack at maybe learning a couple things. I've always loved. Oh, sorry.
9: You go ahead, Emily.
10: You're good. Um, yeah, I was like going back to like the being the master of all trades and like having to like learn a lot of things, maybe not necessarily being the best at one thing. Like, I don't know, like, I feel like w- this is kind of off of photography, but I'll, I'll loop it back. But like, when I was in retail, like I was a store manager. And, you know, like, I, I was young, I was like 23. And I was able to work myself up to like, you know, being the district manager of like Forever 21. And like, I had all these people around me who had been doing it for so long. But like, what the thing that I had that they didn't have was that I was innovative and I was resourceful and I would kind of just learn whatever I needed to do to get the job done. And I wasn't necessarily stuck in my ways. Like, I think like there's always so much that's changing in like the photography world and changing so much. And like, honestly, any path you're in and like, when you're able to adapt and you're able to figure out new ways, like when there's challenges that may arise, like that's when, you know, you'll find the most success. Like, you know, before the NFT space, like I was, you know, more newer into, you know, the photography game. Like I didn't necessarily have like the big contracts or anything like that. Like, so I would do like, you know, I I had to be a lot more resourceful and innovative to like make, you know make ends meet with art and stuff and like you know that meant I had to learn how to do video kind of like how you were talking like I was ghostwriting TikTok content for random brands that I didn't care about like you know like and it just it wasn't you know behind like it wasn't my work necessarily but it like it, you know it was like my work that they would then use but it's like Sometimes you have to do those things to pursue your passions. And, you know, when you're doing those things, that's how you're able to, you know, support yourself so you can keep growing. And I don't know, but jumping into the NFT space also made me realize that I'm really interested in writing. And that's something that I've gotten to explore more now um, since I've been doing this. So it's like... it's kind of cool when you like learn different ways to kind of improve yourself. And when you adapt to different challenges, um, it's cool to see like what you might discover about yourself while you're doing it. Like, you know, I'm, I've only been shooting for now almost two years. Like, you know, I definitely am not like the best of anything, but you know, I can definitely work on creating my brand and, you know, innovating and adapting to the challenges that may arise. So good points you made. So I just wanted to jump in and stuff. (laughs)
6: On that too, I mean, what learning about yourself, what you just said, like it comes down to personality type so much, I feel like, of what you are good at. Are you good at multitasking? Are you good at picking up new skills? I mean, my I myself, the I love learning like something new that interests me. And I have to learn everything about it and perfect it and kind of be like a master of the knowledge aspect of it and that where That's where photography comes in, Um, doing videos, podcasts, and being able to do all that creatively. I think in in NFTs too, it it comes down to how creative do you want to be with what you're producing in terms of, of sellable content or what you're producing in terms of how you interact with a community? Are you a social person? Are you more of an emotional type of person? It just all comes down with, to the people that you're connecting with and how you're most comfortable doing it. And there's room for every type of personality, but it's just kind of finding that little niche that you can work within, I think.
1: I think those are all great points. Yeah. That's why I love posing these uh, more philosophical questions about kind of like the arts and what, drives people's interest behind the scenes because I think it's easy for us to all talk about, you know, like trips we went on or just photography just in a very pure sense. But I think when you start learning people's intentions behind creating stuff or you get them to open up and write a little bit more or share a story they're maybe like not comfortable writing down and sharing. Um, I think you just get to like you peel back a layer of the onion and get to like a lot deeper level into why we do create, which for all of us is so different. So hearing how everyone has like a different story about how they found like a different interest or how they, you know, fostered it. I think that like, whenever I hear those, I just always think of like something in my life that that reminded me of, or just it inspires me to go pursue like a different Avenue that maybe I wasn't even thinking about at the time. So I think these, uh, these talks are just so important to just open up. And I would also encourage, like I talked to Deez quite a bit about this in the last space that I had for me, like, being on Instagram for eight or nine years for the longest time, please don't do this, but like six years ago or five years ago when I was posting, it used to be you have to post like two or three times a day to grow. That was like the growth strategy at the time, which nowadays is like pretty sickening to think about. But I was straight up like posting stuff. And if I didn't have something to post, I would go mirror image like a photo from a year ago. So it was like inverted. (laughs) It was just for like the sake of growing at the time, which is just such a, such a silly thing to think about nowadays. But I was on a Sony panel with Chris Burkhardt and he was talking about the importance of storytelling and how photographers will put in so much effort into getting a shot. They'll, they'll scout and they'll go on a hike and camp and climb a mountain and take that epic sunset shot. And then when it comes to sharing it, they'll say like the mountains are coming. I must go. And they'll like totally blow their chance to kind of like dive deep and share that whole story behind like what went into that image. So and they just use someone else's quote so i mean that's that was kind of like a big aha moment for me that like oh i am interested in writing maybe i should actually put like a little bit more intention behind what i'm sharing i obviously know that i put in a lot of time and effort into getting photos and to editing them so why am i like taking a shortcut at the very last stage when it comes time to like share the story and i just maybe don't feel like writing i'm like getting 99 of the way there and then i'm just like taking the shortcut at the very end and it kind of just leaves it like a little bit unfulfilled or not quite as impactful as it could have been.
7: I'm the most guilty of, Oh, you go ahead. I'm the most guilty of that of anybody, man. I just, it's, it's the hardest part. It's like the last mile. It's so important. And so many creatives, it's it's hard to do. And maybe you don't even want to talk about your own work or you don't want to produce it or you don't want to interfere with the experience or at least I, I, that's kind of my experience with it. And just over time and I just share it with my friends and my community and verbally and I've always tried to keep this balance away from social media in a way. But now for the first time it actually benefits you and other people to tell your stories. And it's, it's, it's just this whole new paradigm shift and it's exciting to finally, at least on a personal level, really start to take on sharing my work and all of what I do and this experience creatively and you know how I can think about also like I think on a regular basis, how can I, how can I help elevate other people? help educate other people and bring other people into this kind of opportunity and we can all, you know, proliferate together. But yeah, the, he nailed it with that last mile of not not sharing it, not sharing this like incredible story. It's possible too where
6: we're like we want our photography to be seen, but we like ourselves, we may be afraid to be like fully known as a photographer and maybe that just like taking other people's quotes <clears throat> Is kind of like a shield to hide behind, but we all have to remember that our stories are powerful. Our stories need to be heard and our stories can help other people through whatever they're going through, whether that be depression, um, PTSD for, for myself, uh, mental health spaces for V and, and that's a, a segue into you V because I knew I would kind of interrupted you there. Sorry. <laughs>
11: that's
8: okay. Um, I'm, I'm, the first one to say, oh, gosh, like, I hate interrupting others. So as soon as I hear someone talking, I just stop. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of the opposite with those captions. I write so much. I mean, even my NFTs alone, like, I have a website that <laughs> has the rest of the explanation because a thousand characters wasn't enough, um, constantly oversharing my life. Um, but I think, you know, and I used to be such a private person when I was younger, and I think as experiences and time have gone on. And even, you know, with my mental health spaces, like you never know when your story can help somebody else or change somebody or, you know, wherever they might be in their life. And, you know, I, I do talk about my mental health spaces a lot. You know, that's what I'll show. I don't show my work, but I show the mental health spaces. And uh, it's been amazing to see people open up because I truly believe everybody has a story we're sharing and, um, you know, having those spaces where people can feel comfortable to talk about themselves or like share what they're going through is so valuable, especially, you know, coming out of a year of COVID and where everything, you know, we we're alone and isolated and, you know, before where it's like, oh, if you post something, you know, it's, you know, you're just open up to the internet. But, you know, everything that I've been through, like, I, you know, and I'm not sitting there every day sharing everything. But, you know, again, like, whenever you do share something, you never know how that might help somebody. And having a story behind it, you know, your work, like, that's what it means to you. Like, I think that's so important to share. Like, I feel like it's so... It it means so much when people do share their story and tell a little bit more than just, you know, just a one line thing or, you know, let me share that experience with you. And yeah, you never know who you're helping out there. You never know who's going to connect with it.
9: I love it. I feel like I definitely like am drawn to people just like yourself who are like prioritizing um, like the community and other, other people like, just making sure that everyone's in a healthy state of mind and um, and just supporting every, everyone in general is just an amazing thing to do and definitely something that stands out. So I, I applaud you for everything that you do.
8: Thank you. I think, you know, it's just, and everybody, like I said, everybody deserves to be heard. Everybody has a story with telling, but being able to hold space for someone else. So as you were talking earlier, Eric, about you know, getting to know somebody like that means so much, you know, when you're asking about someone else and getting to know them, you know, that just shows a lot of care. I also, uh,
12: I also probably come from a little bit of a different background than everyone who is on stage, but, um, especially making the shift to uh, posting a lot more on Twitter and being really involved in the NFT community. And, you know, I'm the first one to admit that I get really insecure and nervous when I'm posting about new work or all of this. But, um, you know, to touch on what you guys were saying, there is a powerful shift happening where people, I feel, want to see you be a real person. And people want to see you be vulnerable with your art. Because I think um, a lot of that was missing whenever Instagram was sort of king, in a sense. Uh, it felt pretty soulless. Uh, at least on my end. And it's been really fun to learn how to do a lot more things to like explore my art and to kind of like be on that journey with other people. And it's inspiring to see other people kind of take that leap to a Twitter. I think uh, I think you guys
1: all, Oh, sorry, go ahead.
5: I was going to say, I think you make a really important point uh, be about when you open up, you don't know who you're going to help. We held a, I held a space with Judy a while ago And we allowed people to come in and talk about their collection, but also not just the collection, but the story behind that collection. And some of the stories that actually were behind them were so powerful and moving. And we had people coming in and saying that they hadn't told these stories to anybody. And this was the first time they were able to speak about it. And it was almost because they were coming to talk in front of people they didn't know. It allowed them to open up and speak because nobody was there to judge them. Everybody was there to just listen support them be there for them and actually saying those words out loud is sometimes I think saying things out loud is can sometimes be the first step to recovery from whatever it is you're recovering from and also when it comes to sort of Twitter and stuff sometimes I think there's this sort of stigma that people don't want to hear your story or people aren't going to read it or aren't going to be interested but I think to be vulnerable on here is actually Something that people are really interested in, when you can be vulnerable and share that story, people, they may not always interact, but people are watching, they're reading, they're listening. And somewhere, sort of wherever you are, you're helping somebody each time you speak up.
1: I think the goal in art at the end of the day is to have an impact on people. And when we share our photos or we take them, Obviously it's a very first person perspective that you're hoping finds a way to reach someone and impacts them, whether that's inspiring them to travel or go on a hike or or find a moment to escape in some sort of capacity. So the goal is to have the visual alone impact someone and have that, you know, profound impact. But sometimes I feel like if you compare it with powerful words too, maybe the person who is on the cusp of maybe like not quite feeling the emotion you felt or maybe just not fully connecting with the image but then they read what went into it or what you felt in that moment, or at least a little bit more of a introspective emotion behind the image. I think that might be like an aha moment for someone. And I think a lot of times that, that like if we tie this back into commercial sales or NFT sales or whatever, I think that that's like a big differentiating point is you look at like the writing or how much people share some stuff about their art. I think a lot of times, like when I'm like putting on my collector hat, like if I'm reading something and I just get drawn to that image on like a deeper level than just purely the uh, visual aesthetics, then I think that that's like sometimes what pushes me over the hump right there. I mean, I personally don't think that I could share a sunset photo in Laguna Beach where I live and just be like sunset Laguna Beach 2018. I I don't think that that would like connect with anyone whatsoever. So, I mean, I I almost feel like obligated to, obligated is not the right word, but like I feel compelled to like share on a deeper level. So hopefully like the person who doesn't connect with it you know maybe 100 percent visually maybe they read about like the emotion in the moment and it just kind of a light bulb goes off in their head i also don't think that you should feel like you have to do this stuff i mean this isn't like a guidebook like you have to write something compelling to go along with your image because your image isn't good enough this is more like encouragement um to push a little bit deeper because i think you'll find like just do a test on twitter and Instagram. like post something with like a little bit deeper writing I bet like most of the comments will be a little bit more towards responses to your writing than it will to the visual itself. I think it actually might surprise So I actually
3: think that's a really good point, Eric, because when most people think, you know, when growing an audience that especially on Instagram, just, so my background, Eric is funny, it's similar to you, but not as an artist is growing a platform on Instagram um, back in 2014 when i started my gig and i have a page called good life but we have about two and a half million followers about to hit two and a half i uh, own a i still i think i still do because i haven't been on there in a while because of twitter but <laughs> own about a 10 to 12 million followers on the platform across multiple pages and that was pretty much my first real gig you know just growing media platforms and uh, building a media company out of that and i still have my personal page with about a quarter million followers on there and so See, my approach was never, you know, I'm not a photographer like you or most of the artists on here and I don't have an art that I was that I was sharing, but I loved always storytelling and uplifting. So same thing you see me doing here, whatever on spaces, Twitter and stuff like that. I would really apply it to Instagram because I, I treated more like a, a way to journal, like on a day-to-day basis, a week-to-week or whatever, and, and let people have this like outlook on, on what the journey of someone trying to make it is like, right? Because I started when I was what, 18? And so... And so I would share a photo or tweet, whatever it was, right? You guys can it's the same username as, as on here, but um, but point being is to your last thing you just said about storytelling and writing something out is that I always took the time to write long captions uh, because i that was my medium. My medium was through telling a story, telling my story and sharing my personal experiences. And so as I was doing that, I noticed that people got way, way more engaged, right? And they actually wanted to learn more. They wanted to read more. So as some people were telling me as a joke, mostly, you know, what you call friends, I guess, or old friends. Oh, you write so much. Nobody's going to read this. And I was like, okay, don't, doesn't matter. You might not read this, but there's someone out there going to read this and it's going to change his life, right? And so and so as I kept going, I noticed that people kept wanting more and more and more. And so that was really cool. And that's what I always liked about the platform is that it was always for me a cool way to just like curate a feed and, and to just post and to be able to write, write a story in the, in the caption, which is why I think that most of us now expect, well, mostly it's because of the space is here, but at some point there's going to be a lot of NFT talk over there. I'm sure. But, uh, it's just better to have a con- it's easier to have a conversation on Twitter. But I think what, what drew us, most of us here now is also because from the people who are there is that we're able to like, let's say you guys can share your photography. Now it's a great way to see it, but you can actually, it's an audience that wants to read and you have an audience of readers here. So I think that's why there's been this sort of shift where here people like threads. People like these long threads and they go, oh, great thread. Whereas on IT, it was like, oh, God, a long post, a long caption. It's, it's it's not as appealing when you read. But I really like the points you made because it, it helps a lot. And go figure, like, if you're trying to build a brand or write something out there, or even if you're trying to make threads you're like, don't delete that stuff once you're done. Like, actually go out there and post it because you'd be surprised of the reaction you're going to get from people like, people really, really genuinely enjoy reading you. It doesn't matter if you have 500 followers or fi- or 50,000, like out of 500 followers, you're gonna find that person that's gonna really dig it and you might change their lives, but also some people might share it so you never know where it ends up. So it's like, I always push like creating, like no matter what creating means to you, whether it's visual or written, like just push it out there cause it helps. It re- It's really a, a cool exercise.
1: So two things. Um, I couldn't agree more with one thing you said, and it was literally something I was going to say too. And that is if people tell you that Instagram is not a platform for writing, let's say it just as an example, you know, it prioritizes photo and video. It's not for writing. 95% of the people aren't going to read what you write. You're not writing for those 95% of people you're writing exactly. for the 5% of people who do read that and are impacted by it. So I think that's an important takeaway and you can draw that parallel to this space too. Sure. Like when I post on super Rare, There's a description on the side. I don't have to spend like an entire day writing something for that. Like maybe the person who is going to buy my picture, like, isn't even going to look at that, but I don't know that. Like I'm going to write for the one person who that description is going to impact. And so I think that that's like a philosophy that you kind of have to have is, you know, sure. Like the thing you might be doing, like might not benefit everyone, but if it can impact the right person, then that's like the reason why you're doing what you're doing at that point in time. And I also think that the other point you made about Instagram and Twitter just in terms of their intentions now, I think that's probably like something good to talk about since Dees and I, had, we kind of talked about like that was like a, one of the big talking points for this whole day was I think that I couldn't agree more. So Instagram, my whole philosophy with that was in the early days of Instagram, the people in the travel space who were traveling a lot, like I personally back in 2014 had never seen Banff. I hadn't seen Bali. I hadn't seen all these destinations that were so beautiful around the world. And so if you were traveling back then, the prior, the platform prioritized you drastically. So you got put in front of a lot of people. You grew really quick if you were traveling early on. And over time, I think people just got like really callous to seeing like the same stuff over and over again. So I think the first real big push that started happening or transgression away from that was back in like 2016-ish time frame. And that was when video first started coming out. So I think that gave people an opportunity to share a lot more about their personality. And you saw the people who started growing quicker were the people who were hopping on, like talking about themselves more sharing like a little bit more of like a first person perspective into their life. And that led perfectly into when Instagram launched stories, right? So the people who were had big personalities and were willing to talk a lot and like let the audience into their lives, that was who the platform was pushing at that time. And I saw a lot of the landscape photographers um, from like the 2013, 2014 days who were kind of just turned off by sharing that side of their life. Sadly, like kind of fell back during that time because the platform just was looking for like a different level of creator, which is just, it's kind of like the sad reality of what they're kind of pushing out based on what tools they're offering at the time on the platform. And I think like what you've been seeing lately in the last couple of years is now we're what, eight, nine years, 10 years into Instagram almost, and people are you know still sharing travel photos and travel videos. And unless you're doing something drastically different... Even like if I look at my work over the last eight or nine years, like I feel like my work now is like, sure, it's different than what I was doing five or six years ago because I'm going to new spots. But at the end of the day, like on that platform, I'm still kind of just regurgitating like a different iteration of the same thing at the end of the day. So the challenge is like, how do you keep staying fresh and challenging yourself to put something different out there and grow as a person, as an artist, as a friend, as a colleague to other artists? And that's why Twitter is so good right now because... I think it allows a deeper level of conversation, like you said, that Instagram just doesn't frankly allow. I mean, you can't go into the threads on someone's post and start having like in-depth conversations. It's just it's just not the platform for it. So I think as we're looking to as people were looking to converse a lot deeper, especially during COVID, have like more debates, like more thoughtful talks, like just a deeper level of communication that they weren't getting in the outside world. I think that Instagram started getting pushed backwards because it wasn't the platform that was very conducive to having like genuine conversations with people. Right. Yeah. Where well, I think I kind we're
0: kind of sum up like both of what you guys are saying. Like one, the first point that Farouk made is that like people are more important than the platform. So make content for people. And the second thing is that um, Instagram is like primarily focused around consumption. Whereas Twitter is primarily focused around information.
1: So you have and to pick which one you value
3: more that in depth
1: i I agree with that lee I, i think the interesting thing though is so let's just say like before the nft space before this became like a very viable means for like a creative to pursue like a successful career so all the brands i work with like no one is really prioritizing twitter at all like when it comes to like putting money behind it for signing creators for doing campaigns like Instagram is still Instagram and YouTube really are still like the platform. So I think it's just really hard as like a young emerging photographer, videographer to come onto Twitter and expect to like build a whole career. And I'm not saying there's not exceptions to that. I'm just saying the other platforms still right now are kind of the Kings when it comes to, if you're trying to work with brands, I, like I think the it's the, the monetization
0: um, portion. That's why like Facebook has figured out how to brilliantly monetize their platform. And so is Google frankly, with YouTube. Um, but Twitter just hasn't figured it out yet. If they have had figured it out, they wouldn't be $55 billion market cap company. They would be $300 billion market
3: cap. That's very true, yeah. actually. True, and true. you know what, though, Eric? I think for any artist in here is the thing with Instagram, my favorite platform will forever be Instagram. I've tried. I go way back to started on Tumblr in 2011. So I've really tried a, quite a few platforms. But... You know, Instagram is the most visually pleasing platform there is out there, in my opinion. And today, the one with the best UI. Like, it's just so satisfying. Like, you, when you open, like, the Reels tab, I mean, you could get sucked in there forever. But what, what Lee said is actually spot on. Instagram is where people will go and consume your content and just look at your content. But Twitter is where people will go and maybe learn more about you. So the thing is, that it's not a one of the other. It's not a zero-sum game. Like, it's not one of the other type of thing. It's, it's, it's the thing where you have to be present on both as a photographer, as a creator, if you want to be able to get your work seen by as many people, because here on Twitter is where you, you're going to go and make your sales in ETH and get your NFT platform going. And like people that, 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 that know about NFTs over there is where you're going to go become more popular in terms of like a broader reach, but also get your works in by more people. And, And, and they work hand in hand because you know what, like. And I, I've been saying, I think there's going to be a shift where most of the, like, there's going to be a ton of NFT people who are going to start pushing their, their, their Instagrams more because on Instagram, what's going to happen, what happens that I can go and look at your work so much easier. Like I can just click on your IG, you have it in your bio right now and click and I can see all your work. Do you know the headache I would have to have to go through your media to see your photos on here? There's, there's no way I would do that. It's just, it's, it's, it's nonsensical. It's too hard. However, here I can go, yo, I dig his photography of Bali and this and that, but I want to know more about Eric as a human being. So I'll go read here and I'll interact with you and I'll talk to you on spaces, but still it's like, go check out my IG for more. Right. And there's like these two worlds where most people here are like in this eco chamber of the NFT space. But I think that the ones that will learn to capitalize on other platforms first and the most are going to be the biggest winners because over there, you can share it and you can say, hey, here's actually my whole feed. Go look at the photos I've been taking. And you know what? When I looked into, for example, the coolcast founder Klon, one of the things that made me the most bullish is I went to his IG and I scrolled all the way down and it says 2015 on the timestamp. And I'm like, damn, he's been doing this for a minute. And he has all these cool things going on. And he is an art a dope artist. So I think, I think, you know, just this is a great conversation because it's really cool to talk about both platforms and how other platforms can work hand in hand to elevate an artist because there are other pages like myself, like any of you guys, by the way, I should extend this to you guys on stage first and the NFT space, like our page, like 2.5 million followers doing 150 million impressions a month. Like if you guys want to post on there and use that as a platform and like, you know, get the credits and this night, if you're cool with that, like send them over, like we'll, we'll get you posted on there. Cause like, this is the best way to get seen by the masses.
1: That's awesome, Frog. Thanks thanks for extending yeah, thank that in, but I think people should def- definitely take you up on that. Um, I think the thing that I – here's what I'm like internally struggling with right now is I feel like on the commercial side, I'm kind of at a point where I'm – I finally hit kind of my best stride of my career right now. So I have these long-term partnerships with United, with Sony, with Amex, Four Seasons, Callaway Golf. But what I'm trying to do and like the jigsaw puzzle I'm trying to solve is how do I get them invested in this space to the point where it's going to help them, it's going to help me and it's going to help the community. So like a couple ideas that I have is obviously United, they have tons of lounge space, tons of different airports. Um, How do I get like NFTs in airports? How do I get them in the lounges? How do I get more eyes on them? How do I use like POAPs and proof of attendance protocols, like get them on the plane so people can collect tokens as they fly? As they check into different lounges around the world. Same exact thing with different four seasons, like the different gyms I have relationships with. How do I get like immersive galleries in front of more people? So that's like kind of the how I'm trying to bring this thing back full circle is how am I how do I get like these brands who I'm building these relationships with invested in this space, like on a little bit deeper level?
3: Uh, that's that's a good question. I think everyone's trying to figure it out now. I think it's
1: well, I think the learning curve is, like, the hardest yeah, it's part still right, learning now, right? Like curve. The barrier for entry is incredibly steep. And, like, I can tell you, like, the talks of how with, like, United, they're, like, eager. Everyone's eager to come to the market first, right? Like, no one wants their competitor exactly. to come do something before them. They want to be the first to the market, but they have no clue what they're doing. So they, you need to, like, break it down very easily for them. You need to have, like, a model that's not going to be like jumping all in, but maybe it involves like a bunch of like five or 10 people in the community who have been there a long time. Um, but you just need to like break it down because it's obviously like the, the hardest thing about getting involved in this space is just like understanding it. It's just, it takes such a steep barrier. I think we're going to
3: hit a, uh, a point at some point, And hence the quote that everybody loves. We love saying we're so early, but I think that the reason we say that, and it's actually serious, it's more than just a meme, you know, like the reason we like to say that is because, there's gonna come an inflection point where these brands are actually gonna have no op- no option but to come in. Like they, when right now when you when you go on United Delta whatever, like you have your QR code right to fly. Cause so but and sometimes you keep your tickets as a remember to remember your trip. But what if you can remember your trip yep. forever on chain through a pulp, Like that's which is what you just said, which is incredible. So I think it's gonna be just like that. That's gonna come last when like the market will have like will be full mainstream in my opinion. In the meantime, we can only just build educational platforms from within in order to, like, get them even hooked. Because for sure, like you said, they're all talking about it. They're all talking. There's meetings at the top talking about it. But the problem is it it takes so many heads to get to the top. There's such huge companies, you know? Like...
1: Well, and they're not talking to the right people. Exactly. So, I mean, it's going to take longer if, if they're internally yeah. trying to solve the puzzle versus if they just grab a couple of yeah, like, people they're not in not community. Like, it, would, it would move so yeah, much They're quicker. not hiring like
3: D's and Lee and this and that. Like people in the space to actually learn about shit. They're just like kind of the classic kind of, you know, hiring the somewhat agencies who claim to know this and that who are not actually giving them the right information.
0: Hey, bro, if you guys if you to so get- pay me to do something.
3: There, there you go let's start it you know <laughs> there
1: we go we got we got him a consulting job he's got an agency now <laughs> yeah, yeah
3: this very second we're gonna open a consulting branch to, to rug radio
1: <laughs> so for Farouk, you'll love this i had a uh i shot an event yesterday for Surfrider foundation with uh travis matthew and like the world surf league so i was like golfing with kelly slater and one of the uh, guitar players from Avenged sevenfold and he was telling me how like diehard their band is into nfts now like he has eight crypto punks and he was like Kelly Slater was teeing off and he was on the phone in his cart telling his buddy to buy cats. He's like, yeah, go in at 7.2. No, 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 not 7.5. It's like 7.2. <laughs> he
3: was like sling cats like on the He's very precise park. about that entry. You know, <laughs> we
1: love Oh the my cats. God. It was the funniest thing ever. I was like telling him about my ape and like my squiggle and like I, was, I told him I like no DS. He's like, dude, I love DS. And I was like, this is such, it's just cool. Like the community is so small still that when you find like someone else who's vested in it, it's like such a cool, like buddy, buddy moment. But I just gotta think like I draw the parallels back to like 2013, 2014 when social media was really confusing to brands. Obviously, it's not as confusing as the NFT space, but a lot of brands like didn't know how to really get invested in this space. And so look what happened. Like the first agencies popped up, and those agencies are worth hundreds of millions of dollars now nowadays because they broke down that confusing barrier for entry for brands. And that's gonna happen in this space too. It's just a matter of uh which one of us is gonna. You know, form an agency. It looks like what, Lee just what, did. So maybe you
3: beat us to it. Did back in the days, right? Vader media used to beat something like Grapevine with Vine influencers way back and then switched over to Vader Media and then something like that. And then they became in a- Can you hear me? You just okay. took so, a rug right, Yeah. Yeah, just a quick you know, my mom's calling, but you know it's it's rug radio time. Okay. <laughs> it's uh it's um but you know, it's um What I was going to say is, you know, back then, so here's my parallel I draw, which made me even more bullish to really drop everything to come into NFT spaces. Back in 2014, when I started on Instagram, people were laughing at me about Instagram. So people were saying that Instagram's not going to survive. It's not going to make it. There's only uh, less than a couple million users. It's stupid. You just post your pictures of your dog and your food, and there's nothing going to make out of it, right? Now you cannot build a brand without even thinking of not having an Instagram, right? The first thing you do is you get your Twitter handle, your IG handle, your Facebook account covered, and and your TikTok and whatever, right? When you want to build actual like a CPG, like consumer product, um, like a actually um, a consumer product brand and go DTC, right, directly to the consumer. So back then, back then it was the same thing. So I think it's the same way that we're there. People are treating the NFT space right now, where it's like, oh, I'll look at it after until it's too late, and you have to FOMO into the space. So I think we still have a year of education to do before we even like attack those masses and everything. And like you said, like the agencies that are being built, the media companies are being built within the space, which, which is why I was like, yo, we got to run with this now before it's too late with the whole idea of a decentralized media brand. It's just because it's, those are the companies and the people that people are going to go, uh, towards and first, right. It's the people who have built, who have a base, who have done this. And are and, and are and are and are actively engaging with brands. They're not going to go to like the small mom and pop shop right away. Even though these people are going to get a bunch of clients, because it's going to be the clients that the big guys are not taking. So it's going to be the same thing as Instagram. We all started building our own agencies, and then some big agencies got the big clients, so the VaynerMedia with three hundred eighty clients at Hudson Yards, and the small mom and pop's one, like myself, I was just a little operation, got the small crowds, but still everybody was able to do something, and it was really cool. I think it's going to branch out even further than that now. Like,
0: you—you literally are your agency, you yourself, and you are your own personal brand. And it's more than ever before with with the blockchain. But yo, Ben, did you do you have a question about something?
9: Oh no, I was just like, I—I I realized I still had my hand raised, but I was like, still like fascinated by the, um, by the discussion about how like, and we we're going to kind of, like, approach making NFTs more mainstream. And I think the the point that you touched on, Farouk, about how it's, like, and Eric, you as well, like, just saying how, like, the learning curve right now is too monumental for it to actually, like, be efficient to onboard people. So I think, like, once we kind of get a, um, like, a reasonable, like, approach to getting more people into the space where it maybe necessarily doesn't involve, like, so much, time and work on discord and twitter more people are going to realize like the potential of nfts and their like utility in so many industries which is why i'm always like really impressed by like your talk eric and how you're onboarding uh brands and trying to kind of like get the word out there
1: yeah i I think the biggest challenge though is like as an artist you're obviously like if you're trying to bring on other artists you can explain sit them down and explain to them the process of minting something and putting it up for sale i mean that's like relatively straightforward and something that obviously if a brand that was all they had to do is something that they could do relatively easily. The problem is like, I'm trying to solve bigger problems, like basically revamping loyalty programs for hotels, airlines, for cruise companies. And that type of undertaking is something that's like a multi-year effort. So I think the problem is you got to think like a lot smaller, think of like a very simple, fun way. Like the one that I went back to on United with was they have this um, contest called her art each year where they commission an artist to paint a plane and that plane flies around the world for the entire year. So I was like, well, that seems like the perfect opportunity right there. Like what if they part, what if there's like some big contest or someone could, you know, whatever bid was the highest on like some piece of art got put on the plane that flew around the world for a year. Like that would be the coolest like visibility into our space. Like, a way for a brand to like get involved like with all of us and that piece of art would just fly around the world. Like, I don't know, that was like kind of like a really cool way that I thought United could get involved with the community. But, um, but still, you're talking about painting a plane. Like this is just like all massive stuff that even when you talk it out and you're like, Oh yeah, it seems like this is a good idea. Like when you actually go to the logistics at like a fortune 500 company and kind of figure out what it would take to do this kind of stuff. It's just like, it's massive layers of approval of, of, planning and all that kind of stuff so baby steps i think that's the goal
13: i think i think it's really important to get the brands in but i also like think it really does i've been saying this like it begins with the kids like you know for example ben like he we would never have seen his work because he couldn't buy ethereum so i had to actually get him ethereum because he wasn't able to get in because he was too young
1: shout out john (laughs) (laughs)
13: <laughs> <laughs> but it's stuff like that like that you're seeing that like and ben's a phenomenal photographer if you guys have ever seen his work it's incredible like he's Dude, he's, he's been he's in like too yeah. Like, yeah yeah he's like been in newspapers like he's world renowned like you know and it's like you couldn't get him in there because he was too young or a, a shining example is like nyla you know with the long neckies like her parents were able to get her in because they were listening to now clubhouse and learn from everybody and ask questions but that took like, them three months of asking questions and learning to get to that point. So I think once we start like educating the kids, I mean, there's no finance programs in schools. When we graduate, nobody knows anything about credit, how to get a credit card, how to invest in stocks. These are important things. And so once we start educating the kids, that's where we're going to see those space really, really grow. Like the brands are important. Don't get me wrong. They're going to facilitate the gateway for kids to start getting in, but- the most important thing is educating the youth. How can we get into the schools? How can we get, uh, you know, education of NFT artists that are just growing into colleges, things like that. That's where it's going to be the shining examples in my opinion. But essentially, like the bars, future CMO John. of
3: American, that's, that was just, that was just amen to whatever was, <laughs> amen to everything bars John said. John. But you know, on top of that, and I know you're doing it actively with your daughter too, which is incredible, but I think, you know, what's cool also and what's important is, to know that in the future, the future CMO of United and of all these big brands, like that's why I keep saying, pay attention to people who are here listening on Spaces or on Twitter, or active, like all these young geniuses that are working here, like you never know where they're gonna end, they're gonna end up. We might be breeding the next generation of legends of the biggest artists, like you have fuel, right? Look at promotions. Over $20 million in sales this year, 18 on January 1st, right? Look at it. They call him the next Picasso in Normandy. Like, like when you look at <laughs> when you look at when you look at the other other people like one of us might be the future builder of one of the biggest companies in the world you have the alex Tala's at OpenSea, this and that like you never know like there, there might be i think the future looks bright in like 20 30 40 year spectrum because the future biggest cmos ceos uh politicians stuff are going to be native so it might be a longer shot eric but like there's going to be at some point where absolutely every single thing I think they will pull from
1: our community hundred percent, but I think the challenge also is that that comes like pursuing a brand's interest and helping them build stuff comes at the expense of your own brand. Right. So like the more time I dedicate towards helping these companies get invested in the space, the less time I'm doing my own work, the less time I'm trying to build my own name. So I don't see like someone like Fosha, just like he's not going to go work for a company. He doesn't need to. He's, I mean, like he's probably not the best example because he's like, you know, like the top of the top of the top, but it's going to take someone who's, I, I feel like a selfless genius creator who wants to go build stuff on the brand side versus doing something for themselves. And that's challenging in this space because I feel like the NFT space is one of the first times you don't need a brand backing you. Like you can build everything yourself. You can be successful on your own. So it's going to take someone who sees that opportunity and shies away from it. And is like, no, nah, I'm going to go, you know, work for these companies and help them with NFTs. Like it's just, it's a different type
11: of creator, I feel like. Just curious. How do you guys... Out of curiosity, how would you guys want to dumb it down for people to get into the NFT space in general? Like, for me, I had to ask a lot of questions. Thankfully, people like John, who's speaking right now, and Ben even, have helped me a shit ton in the beginning. And I know you want to expand, but like, (laughs) how do you dumb it down for people? Because it needs to be quick and easy, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing about this community is that it's so welcoming and inviting and it seems like it's not really like a knowledge gatekeeping community. I mean, I think that was one of the most frustrating things for me about Instagram is like taking it back there. When I was starting off in 2013, 2014, I wrote a lot of the bigger accounts with like questions and I was trying to be a photographer, trying to understand how to travel and like grow. And like nine out of 10 times, I would never get a response. So that was like incredibly frustrating for me when I was starting off. I was like, why? Like, I know they see it. Like, do they just not care about answering people or is this like secret information so i think for me one thing i decided early on is like no matter what i grew to whether that was 1000 100000 or a million like i was always going to be responsive and prioritize like answering people's questions if i knew how to answer them and it takes time commitment right to to prioritize sharing knowledge and and not you know being secretive with things that it maybe took you a while to figure out because it might hurt you in a business sense i mean i think it takes like a selfless person to do that But I think that that's one thing I've consistently seen in this industry is I've asked so many questions to big collectors, big, big artists, like just people who I've seen invested in DeFi and and like nine out of 10 times I get an answer, which is just incredible. I mean, I think it's just the polar opposite of experiences I've had on the other social platforms. So I think to go back to your question, I think people need to be like very inquisitive and like, don't be afraid to ask people questions because this is overwhelmingly like a very positive and open community. I like wrote about it a while ago that I've never seen. One of the reasons I'm so bullish about this industry, I'll tell you, is because I can't think of another space where a lot of the top artists, like all the top collectors, like the biggest people in this space are all so open to like talking and working together. Like that doesn't happen in other industries. Like I can never go and write like a senior executive at Instagram, even though I've prioritized my whole career on Instagram. They won't even respond to me. They're like, they're basically inaccessible. Whereas I feel like this entire space over here is extremely like willing to share knowledge for like the greater good. So I think that's like a key thing for people who are getting new to this space um, is to DM like people you've seen drop collections, people you've seen posting photos you like, like don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions because I think you'll be really surprised that more times um, or not, you're going to get an answer to your question.
3: And spend time listening. I mean, live social audio, from Clubhouse to Twitter Spaces has completely democratized access and information. So for the people, let's say, I know these, you probably run through this problem. And by the way, that's the problem big accounts have on, on Instagram area, honestly, is like these earth earthquakes and beautiful destinations. And even my account, like, I just can't cater to the DX. Yeah, it's impossible, right? And so I think, but you'll find a lot of the people actually on here speaking. So it's like, we're on Clubhouse, this, that. So I think, you know, pick up as much as you can from these uh, sessions. You know, I, I onboarded my little brother today, made him like a MetaMask, sent him his first two NFTs and and like a little, little bit of ETH to see what he can do with that. I'm curious to see. And so, but I told him the next thing I told him, I said, listen, and he's my little brother. He's my blood. He's the only brother I have. I said, I'm sorry. I cannot give you all the one-on-one education that I wish I can because I'm out there trying to educate the masses. So I'm like, you follow these people on Twitter, including myself. You turn your notifications for these few people. And when you see a space, even if you're studying, you're doing something, let's say you have some time, listen. And because there's so much information, like we always, jo- we always joke about the alpha and this or that, but the true alpha is not always about what we're buying or what's to buy or what's going to go up in prices. The true alpha is like the it's the knowledge that you're going to catch out of these spaces and the stuff. Like pay attention. And to, if someone doesn't want to read or listen to the Kevin Rose podcasts and this and that or to the these spaces, then it's. Maybe you should ask, do they really want to learn? Because it doesn't cost so much to put the music down and to open the spaces and listen for an hour a well, day. Well,
0: you know the answer is no to that. I mean, there's so much free information about, like, learning how to program, and people don't learn how to program. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, but
3: now they don't even have to read anymore if you're lazy to read. You can just freaking listen. <laughs> but yeah, I that, agree with you. That's like, true. <laughs> I'm lazy. I don't like to read, you know, but shit, I, mean, that's I how I a learned, lot. That's how I learned a lot about DeFi was just
0: listening to podcasts. Like, I didn't really read that much. I read I read some white papers and blog posts and stuff, but I learned everything from listening to podcasts. But I think a big barrier of entry for people, whether we whether we choose to acknowledge it or not, is the you like user experience. Like, right now, with the current user experience, like... The, the masses are not going to onboard onto this until it's like natively features on the iPhone. And I know that people right. in crypto do not want to fucking That's acknowledge so this for whatever reason because they want to be permissionless and they want to be bankless or whatever. But like the vast majority of human beings are not going to be bankless, like whether you like it or not. It's not a convenient thing and it's actually very dangerous for most people. So kids are born with phones in their
3: hands, Lee. You're right. The next generation is born with a phone in their hands. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're still like
1: a, a month or two out, or not a month. I think we're still a year or two out from like UI being prioritized. Sadly. I mean, I think if you go back on the early days, Instagram, like Instagram was pretty, I mean, maybe people didn't think so at the time, but if you go back and look at the UI in like 2013, it was like pretty hideous, I think, compared to like what it's turned into now. But it's, <laughs> that's like,
3: you had those filters you had to pick yeah. and remember, I
1: had like borders <laughs> on all my first pictures. Like, Oh my God, it was atrocious.
3: Yeah, 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 same. <laughs> but, but you know what, though? What well, least they were because you know the headache of just, not the headache, sorry, because it's not a headache, but, like, even going through a MetaMask and say, okay, you got to share this. I remember when Nicole actually on Clubhouse in the room, John was there. We helped her make her first, her MetaMask and everything, but we had to, there's so much thing. We have to run into that. You have to go, okay, don't share a seed phrase. Don't do this. Okay, mute yourself, write your seed phrase down in two places, not online, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like, you know, it's, I think there's that thing in MetaMask. I think we could. Argue I mean, the, kind of mask, that. the
0: MetaMask, the MetaMask another browser basically problem. doesn't
2: work most of the
3: time. So, like, I, I and, know, and I'm that's defend- why we're
2: fucking early, and that's why you should be thankful exactly. you're here. And when you realize, amen, that it is so easy that anyone can pull out their iPhone and easily do this. Then the upside is not there that is there right Fact. now. So, like, amen. You know, but I do, flip side I do
14: want
0: to. Yeah, I, I, I do think that like the masses. Being like having access to this is what brings the large corporations in at scale, though. So it's like a double edged sword. It's like, yes, we're early, but like, also, if we want the big corporations to start spending big money here, then the masses need to be here,
1: which is kind of Eric's
0: point about like Instagram versus Twitter. Like, Instagram is monetizable and Twitter isn't. And that has to do with the masses being at one place.
1: I think being early. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying being, being early comes with two things, right? So being early is, is massive opportunity if you play your cards right and if you see that opportunity, but also it allows us to shape the way that we think that these brands should come into our space and work with people, right? So we have a little bit of a responsibility, I think, as people who have spent so much time, and I, I'm not talking about, about myself. I've been here since January or February. There's people who have been in this space way longer than me, so I'm more talking to them. But I think the responsibility comes with educating these brands about like, hey, this is how you're gonna come in. This is a project that's gonna be well received. This is how you get a lot of people invested in you and not turning away from you. And this is how you do it the right way because we've been doing this for you know almost a year now. So I think that that responsibility falls on our shoulders to help shape the way that these campaigns look versus letting them come in and saying like, hey, here's what we're gonna do with you guys. Um, do you want it or not?
15: Is that what they're doing now?
1: No, I don't think that's what they're doing now by any means. I, I don't think they have enough education at all to be able to come in and say, like, this is what we want to do. I'm speaking more to how I see a lot of like social campaigns done, right? Like where a brand will come and say, like, this is what we're doing. Uh, do you want to be on the campaign or not?
12: I'm uh, saying yeah. like, I, I think we have an opportunity on this platform guys... to
1: say like, go ahead. I'm done speaking. Go ahead.
3: I think Cooper, you know, uh, sorry, Eric. And I, I, I started on people too. But, you know, um, Eric, the thing is, these brands care a lot about pe- what the people, the mainstream thinks still, you know? And that's why, like, every post, everything for them is... You guys should see compliance to go through a fucking post of, like, probably American Airlines and stuff. Like, one wrong post, one wrong word, one wrong marketing campaign could either make you go viral and blow your brand up, or it could tank it for life. It's very... So they're very meticulous with that. And when you see, for example, Steph Curry about on board ape or Sports center talk about NFTs or all the big brands on Instagram right now, and I invite you to go to the comments. All the comments? So on Twitter, the comments are, yo, genius, wag me, he's going to make it, da 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 he's a genius, he should be there. And on Instagram, it's, what an idiot. What's NFTs? I just saved this photo, this and that. So I think there's also that it's still blocked. The barrier entry for these big brands is still the people. It's still the masses who are just not all convinced, and not just they're not convinced, didn't take much convincing once you listen for for thirty minutes, just the energy in every room. But or on Twitter, but thing is, they're not convinced because it's just they just don't see it. But the Instagram and comments are always
0: kind of questionable, though.
3: Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying the masses still don't get it. Though. Yeah, they just. But don't. I, I, mean, I
0: kind of found out about NFTs like for the most part on Instagram.
3: Like I didn't I even mean, say that. Me was I didn't know what it was eight months ago. I didn't know when NFT was back in February until February nineteenth. I'm on Clubhouse one night at 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 midnight. I see this thing called NFT. I'm like, what the hell is this? I click on the room and I hear ferocious tech UX and all these people speak about this revolutionary technology and and, and it changed my life. So I think it, it's, in, but then I had to still go and learn myself. I had to go through losing a MetaMask, sadly. I had to go through some shit, but actually, but I think it was really just, yeah, but it was all like, it was all just like the, the constant curiosity of asking questions going back to that point that someone made earlier. It's like, ask, 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 ask. Because right now, like, you should just be a sponge. You should not try to get up here and be the person trying to educate if you don't know yet. You should be the person being a sponge so then you can go and you take on the burden of education and go educate the next yeah, person. But I think this is yeah. why it's so
7: important for us to focus on educating our own community first. You know, I think all these brands are going to be doing this regardless and they're already making moves to do this. You know, and Think about how many kids are, are literally getting born with phones and are using Roblox and all these other things. Like... Take the time yourself to put, get as many people as you can personally to get the impact to help people with that friction of onboarding. Like, it'll get there, but like, I think we can do so much more just to build up our own community first as people just like, naturally come here, and especially children and young people. Like, you just did for your brother.
4: I saw that tweet, bro.
7: That's fucking dope. Yeah, you gave him yeah, some ETH so and true. got him started. Yeah, I've like, been doing it personally, like one by I was one. You know, It's just going to make such a big impact for growing and proliferating our community organically first and benefiting us first here who have the upside now who are willing to listen and learn. It's all listening, man, and just being open and being a sponge.
1: I can't and stress I, that I, enough. I think that every person's business model, if they look at the amount of time they spend on a day like dedicated to their art, their work, their social, whatever you want to call it, I think you have to factor in like a certain percentage of that into like educating and responding to people in your audience. And I think that that's, that's the reason why you're successful and why you can do what you do at the end of the day. And so I like, you can go back to any of my Instagram posts, whether I had 1000 followers or whether I'm almost to 500,000 now, I don't, I don't care which one you look at. You can go back to almost any posts. And I have probably responded to at least 30, 40, 50, maybe even a hundred comments on there is because that's something like, I know it takes time and I know it comes at the expense of other things but it's also something I've like always told myself I'm going to prioritize since the beginning. And that can, that goes down to Twitter DMs. Like all, I don't care if someone has one follower or has a hundred thousand. Like if they ask a question, I know the answer to it. It takes me 10 seconds. And I know at some point in time, like Froak said, like I'm sure if you're getting hundreds and hundreds of DMs, like, of course you get an undated, you can't do it all. But I still believe like you should dedicate like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, like whatever it is a day, just to try and to educate people answer those questions. And I think, that benefits you immensely in the long run. Whether you think you might think it's like comes at the sacrifice in the short term, but in the long term, like I guarantee you, educating the people who believe in you will help in And I'd
15: end. love to the, add something the to the corporate side of things. Sorry, Fro, did you want to say something like that? No,
3: no, please, Mel, quit of talking about me, go ahead. <laughs>
15: <laughs> I I've, I've spent a heap of times talking to some brands, Um, like outside of the photo stuff, and the other the stuff that you see me doing in the space, I spent a lot of time with some, some brands kind of trying to think about how to get into the space. And when I say brands, I think, like, the way that I try and look at the marketplace from a big brand coming into the space perspective is to follow the money. So the money, wherever the money is getting drained because of crypto is the first place that big companies are going to come into the marketplace because they're already getting financially impacted by its existence. So they have to make a choice of either join or lose, right? And so that's going to push the priority of it actually being something that they want to put, uh, like, you know, make decisions on internally. And so companies like Universal Studios, Sony, um, any, a lot of these entertain, bigger entertainment companies like Disney all have heads of crypto now. Um, inside their organization actually have crypto teams Um, and so you might not see that from the outside but you definitely they're definitely there Um, and they sit alongside just as like a structure perspective so people can kind of understand how they're thinking about it they sit alongside their corporate dev teams so they're thinking acquisitions they're thinking building out platforms they're thinking um uh, from a financial like from a financial instrument perspective um that's kind of where it sits for for them as as like a mindset inside the company so that's that's been really interesting to see just even how they're structuring it and then other things that you've started to see like for example Sony put their toe in the water um, in July with the Ghostbusters NFT which was low-key like community-wise but they did it low-key for a reason (laughs) Um, and it was them figuring out like what it even is for them internally right so you're going to start to see like these little kind of low-key things being done where they're deliberately bypassing the media and the and the attention to just put their their toe in the water to see how is this going to work internally before we do something bigger externally. Um, and so that's, that's like a big one there. And then also there's what's been really helpful. I mean, it doesn't seem like it from the outside, but what's been really helpful in the last couple of months is how many failures there's been on the celebrity front. Because now these brands are actually taking seriously this notion. Like I was talking to a couple of big organisations six months ago and they weren't taking seriously when I would say you need to talk to the community, you need to understand the way that the culture works inside the community, otherwise you're going to fail. And they would come back and go, yeah, 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 whatever. And then now they're coming back and saying, oh, we can see what you were talking about now because of these this failed and this failed and this failed and now we can understand what you mean right and so there's some it's like a time thing like you have to let some certain things play out in the marketplace for them to be able to see it um other things that they're paying attention to is obviously like things like sotheby's um the auctions at sotheby's um there was lots of things happening in the background there with a lot of big name companies that maybe didn't end up getting the final bid, but there was lots of stuff going on there that was lots of interest. Um, so that's really, really cool just to see um, the legitimate interest playing out in the back end on projects like that because they can look at that project like Board APR Club and say, oh, that was that's now like a billion dollar project and we didn't have anything to do with it and it's pure entertainment. And so we missed a billion dollars of pure entertainment marketplace. And that's a, like that's, motivation right there So there's lots of stuff like that happening in the background but i would follow the where the money's being taken um that's going to be the brands that 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 act first it's going to be probably entertainment focused to begin with and that's probably going to help bridge that education factor as well because they're not going to risk their audience not understanding so they're going to educate their audience and so we have to educate them on how to educate their audience that's kind of the way i'm looking at it
1: Brilliant. And keep your eyes on Sony. Uh not that I know something or I don't know something, but uh there might be something Spider-Man cool. NFT coming. We, we call that an alpha down leak. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. No, Sony I know Sony is very, very interested 100%. Um, in the media space. So yeah, uh, I'll just leave it at that. But um that's b- very promising. Um something that may or may not happen. I'm personally a a heavy, heavy
16: skeptic when it comes to these things. I mean, look, everyone knows me as a very positive person in this space, um, but when it comes to uh, traditional companies moving into Web3, completely transforming their business model um, to allow the community to be empowered and own a piece of their businesses, there's no way that 99% of them are going to survive. 90% of businesses fail in the merger and acquisition stage. Because of company culture is clashing. Well, if you think company culture is clashing, results in 90% of failures with companies. Can you imagine going from Web 2 to Web 3? It's going to break most of them. I, I, I don't really think about the large companies coming in as something that excites me. This community excites me, our growth excites me. The ability for Loot Project to go from $0 to $700 million in 36 hours is incredible and all the growth we're going to see is going to come from within or at least most of it in my opinion
3: you know uh oh shiny and i just got to run quickly so thanks for having me but oh shiny i think the real flippening that's going to happen is not eth flipping btc or whatever or a crypto beating another crypto but hold on hold on (laughs) i know you were going to say that and i like it i'm with you though i'm with you we like the eth but, you know, the real flippening is not within NFT projects or, or the cryptocurrency ecosystem. The real flippening is Web3 companies taking over Web2 companies and, and putting them out of business from within through time. And that is a lot you of guys, trillions. It's, of
16: when, when you have, have 5,300 people that are Board Bordecai Club owners that have $100 Absolutely. million dollars of buying power in 90 minutes, no one in the traditional world has ever seen anything like Nobody. that. You know, So I'm, I'm saying I agree with you 100%. It's that the flippening is already happening. The participant is so much more valuable than the consumer. It's not even close. And I see, or I saw Keith from Time, oh, he's a speaker now, who was in the audience before, who's now become a speaker, who I think is doing a damn good job of trying to understand Web3 and, and cross that bridge. And I commend him. Beyond anyone else in this space that comes from a traditional company, I commend Keith for the job that he's doing, But 99 point, and, and Bobby from the hundreds, 99.999% of these companies that try to do it are not going to do it understanding where the problems lie or how to even bridge that gap. There's just so much knowledge missing, and I would much rather provide my energy in trying to educate, just as Lee said, the people from within this industry. And try to bring them up to speed so that we're all in this together. And then try to go outside and try to, you know, educate a board at Sony.
17: Wait, can I? Can I? Can I?
16: First off, Shiny, thank you. Uh, as always, you know, I I appreciate
17: your kind words. And and um, I mean, boy, I feel like every day I'm learning tremendously. And I couldn't agree more. I actually think that we're going to see more Web three companies flip Web two companies than the other way around. Um, I will give the best Web three story on the world, which is I just got out of a dinner and I called Farouk and Farouk's like, can't talk. him on spaces. So where, where do I go to then just have a conversation with Farouk on spaces
0: in front, of a, in front of everyone. So if there's
17: like a, any better web three analogy of, of let's just have a whole conversation with like a big thesis 500 right there. people, like it, it's that, but, um, I I mean, I couldn't have said it better than what you just said. And I, couldn't agree with you more. I think that a lot of people are misunderstanding the space. I think a lot of people misunderstand uh, the power of the community and that these communities have. Um, but the one thing that I will say about this space that I think is fascinating that I think we all can agree on is, um, and I say this about the print media all the time, which is people say print is dead And, uh, you know, like I could say to somebody, look, I don't know if print is dead or how fast it's dying, but I can tell you that every day that someone dies, a new print reader is not born at a one-to-one ratio. And what I can definitely say about this space is that every day that goes by, a new person enters into this space and is converted into this space. And I could definitely tell you that there's not people converting out of that space at a one-to-one ratio, right? And one of the biggest, things in my mind that's converting people into this space is when people move out of the cerebral zone and move into the emotional zone and they start having a connection with what these communities really are and like how constructive these communities are and how creative these communities are I mean, people stop thinking about them as jpegs and they start to realize like just how much bigger they are than anything any brand in a monolithic era could provide and so like like I just love it so much, but I joined even though I love all of you because I needed to talk to Farouk and now he just seemed to leave. And so uh, I have to give him a call and just fill him in on some stuff. But anyway. No,
16: no, no, Keith, it's OK. You can <laughs> tell him none of us are listening. Drop the album. <laughs> <laughs> Every, right, if everyone yeah. can just stay quiet and, and act like you're not here, Keith, you have the floor for Farouk in a private conversation. Thank well,
17: you. Well, then how about this? Like,
16: I, like, uh, how about this one then? I'll leave it. I'll, I have to hop because I, I do have to make
17: a phone call. But I'll leave this one and you can choose what to do with it. If you look at your phone, Oh Shiny, you'll see I just texted you, and you could decide if you want to read what I wrote to everyone on the phone, or if you want to keep it to yourself. So have a great night. On that note, keep texting me too then. Damn, put the put the ball back <laughs> in your court. Have a great
0: one, guys. Peace, bro. Yo, yo, Ben, did you have a, a question or something?
9: Uh, well, I just thought like. I don't know, like, I feel like we definitely have, like, a lot of talk about how we're going to adapt the space uh, with both Web2 and Web3 brands. Um, but what John was saying earlier about, like, and I think Cooper as well, um, with, like, younger generations being, like, a huge stepping stone within the community, I think is something that, like, I just think deserves a lot of emphasis. Um, like, I was I was talking to my personal finance teacher, the person who's, like, in charge of educating like the high school students at my school, uh, like on, on finance and just like creating futures in general. And he hadn't even heard of NFTs, which just makes me think like, if we can work on like just educating, like the people that are in charge of educating the youth, um, and, and like more people like myself, I think we're going to be in a much better spot, like two to three years from now, um, where we have like these kids that are obviously like we've touched on upon multiple times now, like they're growing up with this tech, like they're getting iPhones at age 10 and they're like definitely being immersed in this digital world much more early on than like a lot of the other generations. Um, They are going to definitely, like I can say this hands down be the ones that are going to adapt to the technology and to the culture way more quickly than um, like a lot of the people maybe, over sixty or um, seventy years old that I think a lot of us are targeting in these brands right now. Um, so I just like thought that was worth saying. Like definitely like putting our emphasis on these brands like we're talking about, but not forgetting about these younger generations that are going to be huge building blocks in the in the NFT world in the upcoming years.
0: If if you're a finance teacher in 2021 and you're not listening to Up Only, like are you even a finance
9: teacher? Right. Like I, I was trying to explain <laughs> to my personal finance because I took it. I took it. I'm a senior now, but I took his class freshman year and I found it really interesting. Uh, he taught me a lot about like stocks and passive income um, and like NFTs weren't even on my mind at, at this time. But like now I feel like I can like give back a little bit by trying to explain this revolutionary new new concept to him. Um, And like he was really intrigued, which I I was happy to see that. That was the one thing I was very happy about was that he was open minded about it. And he was, like, interested and keen to learn. He's one of the few teachers at my school that I feel, like, actually comfortable, like, talking with new ideas to, like,
1: in just because he he does have that relative. You've
0: told your finance teacher,
1: basically, is what you're saying. Ben, so do you think that he retooled his curriculum to talk about NFTs <laughs> I wouldn't next go to year, that? Extent, or do you think it, next year's class is investing hundred percent in savings
9: yeah, I, in geez, That's where that's, it's right so sad, Eric, because you're actually not not too far off the mark with that. Like the, the the content that's still being taught in those in the that class does largely revolve around banks and stocks. And I think that he's definitely like gotten to the point where he's mentioning crypt, crypto as a possibility. Um, but like, like I just said, like he hadn't even heard of NFTs. So like, there's definitely some educ, and this is not no blame placed on him at all. That's not what I'm trying to do. Uh, it's just, it's just to show that I think there is some work to be done, um, in the education system when it re- in regards to just like getting the tech and the uh, more eyes on, on NFTs in general.
15: Is this at the high school well, level ben. or is it, or, or is this a college teacher?
9: No, no, this is my high school teacher.
15: Oh, okay, because, I mean, they weren't even teaching finance, financial literacy when I was in high school, so that's really... No, you're
9: right, you're right, Nicole. I think, in, no, the, you're you're totally right in that in that regard, because, like, personal finance is still not a class that is offered a, at a high school level for a lot of people, which I think I'm, I'm very lucky to even have that that possibility. And that just goes to show, like, how many bounds forward we have to make in the education system. Right? That's, properly... that's the first thing. I've probably learned more online in spaces like these and just doing my own research um about how to secure myself like a fine like a successful financial future in like a lot of like different methods of income then i am gonna learn in school in like the months of school that i have left i feel like it's really disappointing to to I mean, see that, the- <laughs> what the stage though, but
15: you're like, so ahead of the true. game
9: exactly i, I didn't so know ben, one
1: one thing that i learned i was
2: like 24
1: Ben, one thing I learned when I was your age, which you can you can take this or you can leave it, is if you take all the money that you make mowing lawns right now and factor in compounding interest, by the time you get to my age, you can maybe buy a Vitamix. There we go. Yeah, but
13: Vitamixes are sick. I just want to throw that in there. They are a sweet, <laughs> sweet device. Like have you ever had one, highly recommend. It.
1: <laughs> so so guys,
13: before we uh
1: before we hop off and derail this thing further with uh, talks about savings bonds and uh, Vitamixes, I want to bring it back to one other thing I wrote down, which was kind of a question that I get a lot. I know a lot of people wanted to talk about like different strategy when it comes to um, NFTs and selling stuff. And I'm curious because we've got a lot of different people on stage. So here's the one question I wrote down, which I think is uh, pretty interesting, and that is it, it relates back to over right? So a lot of people aren't sure if they have a couple pieces out there. Should I mint more? And I think there's a lot of concern with people new to this space. Like, what is a reasonable strategy to take? And I think we're obviously still very new where we're all still trying to figure out if there even is strategy or what the best kind of methods and approaches are. So here's what I wrote down. I wrote down like, do you basically believe in slow and steady wins the race or do you strike while the kettle's hot? Like, let's say it's like a very common thing with, in the music industry or with athletes, you know, like when they have their time in the spotlight, maybe they only have like a certain window and you got to kind of like go all out during that window, right? Like you, you don't plan for like a 10 or 20 year window. Like you focus all your efforts and times in that little short term. And I'm not saying meant like 50, 60 things. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about more like, do you view this, even if it, this is a 10 or 20, 30 year revolutionary thing that's happening, do you still focus on like going all out in the short-term time frame, or you just take like a very long, slow, steady approach? I think it,
6: it changes though, right? I mean, it changes, it adjusts and we learn from mistakes. Like I'll be the first person and I've even like messaged this to some people who have bought from me or some people who just I respect in the field who like have answers just saying, you know when when the big collection boom was happening and um, everybody was releasing all these collections and I released two at the same time, um, looking back and going through that, I realized and I'll be the first to, to admit this, I think it was a mistake to release them both at the same time, striking while the was the kettle was hot and putting that much more work into it. Still believing in those collections and everything that I said that that went along with them and the work, the high quality of work, but also looking back at that and seeing, okay, the, the hype around that era, I guess we could call it, even though it lasted like two weeks, um, the hype around that threw me off a little bit from long-term vision. And and everything we've been talking about and you've been talking about, Eric, kind of helping us understand um, is that the, the communication and the more we let people who are following us or who may want to buy from us, the more we let them in and communicate through what we're posting, whether that be voice, text, or video, and help them understand the collection that we may have to release in the future, the more we take them through that journey, even while we're creating it and taking the photos, I think the better off we are. So, so the long and steady part, um, for, for me at least, came after the learning process of trying to strike where the iron was hot.
0: I think you can manage multiple parts of a book and one part of the book can be long-term and another part of the book can be short-term from an investment standpoint. That's Um, a good idea. Yeah, Emily, do, do you have a question?
10: Um, no, I just had some input on that, just like to answer Eric's question, like in terms of how I view it. But I think, um, I'm just going to preface this by saying that we are really early and we're all going to make a few mistakes here and there, but I think there's a delicate balance between like focusing on your long-term and also just like knowing when the opportunity is right to like release certain things. Like, you know, so for example, like with my collection, I launched mine kind of after a little, like not instantly when it was like a like a hump I don't know like I took a lot of time to plan out and think what I was going to do and I struggled a lot with what I was planning on doing because I I wanted to make sure like I launched one with intent so I think like you can totally like take advantage of like what's kind of moving because the space moves so fast so like if you want to post something I I don't know if you want to do something that's relevant sometimes there's only a short window necessarily for it but like it's important to still do it with a long-term like thought process behind it so like you know like I didn't want to just throw something out there that was just like oh okay like here's just you know everyone else is doing it here's some of my favorite photos like there's a way to do it and still have that long-term like you know outlook for your brand like you know it took me a while to think of what I wanted to do necessarily like what direction I wanted to take but then I realized I was like yo, I've been spending this entire year curating a photo book, like a physical photo book. Why don't I just <laughs> base it off of, you know, the, like the whole thought process and the whole idea I had and the concept behind that and use that for it? Like, because that was a long-term thing that I'd been working on for, this, you know, since the start of this year after my last photo book last year, you know, like it, and that, you know, it speaks to my brand and it speaks to what I want and where I want to go as an artist, um, you know? So I think that's something to consider. And then, I mean, I think also like people are going to like, you know, make mistakes here. Like I've burned a few pieces on foundation. Cause like after talking with, you know, collectors and like noticing the space, I was like, yeah, like, you know, you're right. Like this one piece just doesn't match the rest of everything else that I have on here. And it kind of just throws it off and it might make it seem like I'm a little confused with my direction. Um, and so I just, you know, was like, let's scrap this, you know, made a mistake, let's move on and just pretend that didn't happen. Um, you know, and then they it, it kind of helped me readjust and refocus for where I want to go. So, you know, I think, I think you can do a little bit of both as long as, you know, I think it's important to focus on your long-term and think about, you know, your value that you bring as an artist and like your direction and your style and like, you, you know, who you are as a person and an artist. Um, so I think it's important to have that while also just you know being mindful of the um, you know the environment and where the community is at, so I don't know if that makes any sense, but those are some my thoughts.
1: That makes total sense. I think someone who um, so I'm like a very analytical person, probably just from my engineering days, but I really like what Ravi's done so far. So I wouldn't look at Ravi as being someone who's overminted. Like he hasn't come out with that much work if I just think about what he has. But then I was like thinking. Well, he has like his photography NFTs, which he's only done a few of, and then he came out with like his AI generated like fine artwork, which was a completely different kind of tangent that he went down on a whole different kind of creative path. Then he has his explosion of color, which is like his collection, which is once again, completely different than the other two. And then he has, you know, photo vault with John, Ben and Kath. So he's had kind of like four different ventures in the space that are all not really related to each other. Of course, they all come back to him as a, as a creative individual, But I think that was one like really good example that I thought of as someone who he's like striking while the iron's hot. He's going all out. He's spending a ton of time in this space in multiple different ventures, but he's not going all in on photography with like, you know, a hundred photos minted. So you don't, you don't see him just going down like all out in one route. So I think he's like done it very smartly to kind of have all these, his hands in like a lot of different areas, um, within the space, but you don't feel like he's kind of pushing too much on any of them.
4: Hey, but I think there's something interesting um, in terms of, you know, when you are at that point when you're trying to get your work noticed um, and, and how do you go about that, right? How do you get people, if, if you're, for example, minting one or two pieces uh, or three uh, initially and you're not really getting the response that you're expecting, you're not really getting uh, collectors to, to, to uh, latch onto your work, um, then what do you do? You bring out new work do you burn that work and, and put something completely new? Because at some point, you know, you do get tired of, of trying to, you know, uh, shell or just talk about the same works over and over and over. Um, you know, for example, I sell prints on my website and there I have the capability if, you know, if something is not moving, then I just, you know, I, I just take it out of the website, take it out of circulation and put something else. And, and I can give myself that uh, uh, latitude for experimenting or, or discovering what will work uh, or even seasonal. you know, sometimes I will just rotate my gallery uh, just based on on you know what whatever I want. and and obviously this space doesn't really allow for that. Um, and that is definitely a challenge that that I find uh, in this space right now. Um, right now, for example, I do have things that, that, that I want to mint because I just want to experiment to see, you know, what people are going to, to respond to, but then I have works that are not on, that are not sold yet. And then I'm like, eh, do I, do I, do I really want to, you know, invest that time into putting new work out there if this stuff is not sold yet? And and that, I think it's, a uh, it's just something interesting about the space that makes you, uh, wonder uh, until the point I guess that then people just latch onto your work and, and you have built a strong enough audience that then you can do uh, I guess one at a time and, and that time will come I guess I
8: think yeah. it's an important
4: oh. yeah.
13: go ahead
8: sorry thank you I think it's important to understand that it just takes time sometimes uh, I think at the end of the day you got to be happy with what you put out and how you have put it out Um, whether it sits there for a long time or, you know, whether it sells right away, just be happy with what you put out. And obviously, you know, it's a new space. So, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do this. And I was actually going to reference John in this because he was a big inspiration in how I posted my Genesis and how I thought about it is that John posted, you know, his work, he valued himself the way he wanted to value himself. And whether it's sad or not or whether people liked it or not, he was comfortable with it and he was happy with it at the end of the day. And, you know, and that was the same way I looked at it in this space too. And I took a long time to post anything. And I, I don't really talk about my work much. I have it pinned, but I don't really talk about it much. And, you know, somehow people still saw it because, you know, I'm in spaces and chatting with others and people will see your work. They'll see what you're doing and you know, it's okay if that happens organically. Um, and, you know, I, I, I it saddens me to see people burn their work because you never know. There might be somebody out there later that does connect with it. It's okay if they don't connect with it right away. Um, you just haven't found that person yet. I truly believe everybody has their day. Um, and, you know, in the meantime, you know, we uplift and get happy for other people having their day. And you'll have your day, too.
0: Um, yeah Emily didn't you say that you were gonna burn the lightning strike like
10: <laughs> I was literally at, I was on the phone with Kara that day who I think is actually in the space and like we were literally talking about it before I entered that space I didn't even want to talk about work I just wanted to go in and hype everybody and I was like, yeah I'm gonna burn this this and this and then all of a sudden yeah you literally snagged it right then and there <laughs> it was wild and it was the, yeah, literally the go. right piece for you too like I, you didn't even know the background of it and then when I it, yeah that was yeah, yep. that was
0: crazy. It was crazy. It was like exactly. exactly what he said.
8: Sorry, go ahead, Lee.
0: No, I was just saying, like, it was exactly like you said. Like, she it, she was just patient enough for the right person to come along, which was me in that scenario, and, and snag it and, and really, like, you know, vibe with it. So you never know. Exactly.
8: Exactly. And, you know, me and Em actually had this conversation earlier. Uh, if you all haven't know, but Emily's been with me the last three weeks. This is how awesome the community is. You know, Emily showed up on my doorstep three weeks ago. We've been adventuring and hanging ever since. Um, but we just had that conversation this morning because she was like, you know, I don't know, if you know, talking about her own work. And I was like, no, I said, the right person will come, someone will see it. And you're not, you're not, Burning your work or doing anything to that work, you're sticking with it, and um, I just think that yeah, it's so important. And and please, to everybody in the chat and everybody down below, please do not base your value on whether or not you sell out right away or if it takes time. Like, your value as a human is so much more than that. You know, the space is so busy, and there's so much consumption every single day. And, you know, if you just are authentic and are around and tell your story, there will be someone who will connect with you. Because, again, there's so many great artists and, you know, people will hear your story as it as it will come. And, uh, you know, in, in what you were saying, Omar, like a to show your work, you don't have to show your work. You just have to be present, be present. And people will come and check out your work and see
14: what you are.
13: V, you took the words like straight up out of my mouth. Like that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> like that's exactly the advice that I think I've given you. Like anytime you DM me or anybody else has DM me, that's this, and it might be the wrong way to approach it. But I think if you look at the market and you decide that that's the way you're going to approach your pricing, it might not be the best way because sometimes you might have something that you value that you're going to regret selling, and if you regret selling it, it's going to kill the passion for what you're doing because I've been down that road and. I really think we have to focus on, on where our attention is, you know, is your intention the long game? Like the question really is like, are right, do you want to come in and, you know, and pursue the, the quick money and try and, you know, get as much as you can, or do you want to take the long game? And Ravi is a good example of that. I mean, he's been in the space for a while, you know, he launched different projects. I think there's a lot of shining examples of that. And I think that we're going to see that more and more often but I think the, the most important thing when you're when you're approaching what you're going to do with your art, how you're going to price it, you really have to think about why am I here? What am I doing here? Why do I want to do this? Am I here to make a sale? Because if you're not here necessarily just to make a sale and you're here to for the long term, you're here to build community, you're here for the blockchain, for the, the future of the technology, then you might go, all right, you know, what? I'm going to price my stuff at 5 East because I think that's what it's worth and I worked hard for this. I have a print. That's sitting on foundation that's been in there, I think, since like before June. That no one's touched, and I get imposter syndrome all the time. I want to burn it. Allison Harvard and I talk about it. She'll she'll message me and she'll be like, "Do you think I should do it?" And I'm like, "No, dude. Like, I always want to like tell every artist. It's like, no. Like, I don't. And I want to burn my shit half the time because it sucks. Because everybody can see that you're failing, and and it hits hard. But if you really want to define success. In my opinion, and a lot of people will look at this as insanity, but I think success is failing over and over and getting back up and doing it, doing it differently, but doing it because if you love what you're doing, it doesn't matter if you're getting paid in fucking seashells or money, or you're just surviving as long as you're doing what you love and you're pursuing your passion, you're capable of doing it. I mean, dude, Kath, when I met Kath back in, I think, February, she, I mean, I don't, I don't think she'd care if I told her, but she didn't have any money, dude. She was legit like living out of her car half the time. Like she just, she was traveling on a shoestring budget and she like approached me and she was like, I don't think my work is going to sell. She thought that she should put up her work for money from the beginning. She didn't even know. And I'm just like, dude, Kat, you're going to sell for a lot of money one day because you're passionate about your work and you don't shill. And she's never shilled. And it's not, like, she'll talk about her work, but she talks about it in the story with passion. And she talks about it coming from a photographer's standpoint, not like, this is how much uh, I want to charge for my work. And when she just put up her piece uh, for 100 ETH and the other piece for 28 ETH, she texted me and she's like, when I put these prices up, I thought of you because I know you just don't give a fuck. <laughs> and I was like, it's not about not giving it a fuck, <laughs> but it's true. Like, in the overall sense of it, like, you have to look at your work And you have to go, look, I don't care what I price this for. As long as I price it for something, I'm not going to regret it for. And she lost so much money on that image that she put out publicly that the $300,000 that she got for it, the hundred ETH, is incredible because she got paid back for an image that she, you know, was stolen from her. And a lot of us have had that, you know, or we're sold on the idea of exposure that's going to pay our bills. But if you're, again... Focusing and doing on what you love, which Kath is my, you know, like example of this. She she's just fucking kept amazing, doing. It, bro. She's, she's fucking like, off to sugarcoat it. Like she's literally I, yeah. amazing. She's incredible, but she kept doing what she what she loves and she just kept pursuing it no matter and she, like we were talking about it, She's like, I don't give a shit about the money. I can continue to do this living out of my car because that's where I started from. She's like, it's dope. She's like, this definitely helps me pursue my passions. I don't have to do as many workshops, I can travel more. But at the end of the day. We come from the same place of, I came from nothing. I mean, I come from a trailer park in Marana. I came from absolutely nothing. I could easily, comfortably go back to no money at all and continue doing what I love because I do it because I love it. And I think a lot of us are in that place and a lot of us lose sight of that because of the money. But if you just focus on the prize, which is building community, building every, highlighting every artist around you, helping everybody, you're going to eventually get to that ultimate goal of selling all of your shit out. And even if you don't, fuck, dude, success is like, dude, Van Gogh sold one one thing in his entire life, one print in his entire life. Is he not an artist for that? The dude's an artist. So it's just, it's all about interpretation and intention. But
4: I, I think replace... at the... don't oh, sorry. <laughs> I
8: think at the... <laughs> sorry. I think at the end of the day, that is so important. Like, we are so blessed to be able to even sell our art like this. And, you know, when I found photography back in March and started up, like, I was super depressed and sad and, like, coming from a lot of things going on. And that was my outlet. That was, I would adventure and I'd take photos and being under the stars, that was that was enough for me. You know, that was the biggest thing, what photography brought me and coming into this NFT space and finding community, that was the next best thing. So, you know, selling NFTs, whether my stuff sits, which, you know, the way my Genesis is, I planned for it, you know, like it can sit forever and I'd be fine with that. Um, And any of the rest of the pieces, like, you know, I did sell two pieces last week, I was super blessed, didn't expect it. But at the end of the day, that's icing on the cake. Like, just everything else has been so wonderful, and so, you know, I just again really preference that. Like, it's not about your value. And what did we start this all for? When you know, when you started this all, what were you doing it for? It wasn't to sell an NFT.
4: So what well, I wanted to rephrase, going back to to what Eric to to Eric's question and a little bit also to what John was saying. Um, is that I I personally like experimenting with different things. I like trying new things. I like trying to bring new things to the table. Um, even if I have stuff that I have sold. And this is something that, that I was talking with Alejandro uh, recently about you know, how sometimes, you know, uh, when he create you know when he put out his collection, you know, he kind of felt the pressure from from uh, you know to, to just stick with with that collection and selling that collection only. Um, and and he was, you know, like, no, I like to create new stuff. I like to put up new stuff and I like to experiment. And, and I I am just like that. Um, so uh, I guess it's was going back to uh, Eric's question about, you know, do you over mint or, you you know, or not? Um, and sometimes, you know, even if I have stuff that, that, that is waiting to be sold, uh, I kind of want to try to put new stuff out there because uh, for me it is exciting to just just you know experiment and see you know see 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 what people are going to like or not um and um and and I think also that could be a, an interesting strategy you know just just you know play a little bit and and not be afraid to play not be afraid to to make those mistakes and and put yourself out there in any way
8: yeah what's stopping you from you know posting something new like don't do it you know there's it's okay if it's not the same as everything else like again no rules here
6: hey guys real you quick so i just have food. to hey guys real quick i just have to jump out eric thank you so much for all the advice everything it's been awesome talking to you guys Deez, thanks for hosting as always but see you guys later peace bro yeah. take care david oh hi, is
2: David. is in here hi i want
10: to hop back um a, little we have a lot of requests yeah Um, I want to hop back to what John said and I can actually hop off afterward to get some more people up here. Um, but, uh, when John was like, just like talking about how, like, you know, like just the come up and everything and like how, like, you know, stand true with everything, I don't know. I started off this year and any, anyone who knows me knows this. I like did not come from a lot. I've had this conversation a lot with people who have met me in real life and stuff, but you know, I think one of the biggest things about this space and what's going to make or break somebody is just like the drive. And that just goes for photography in general. Like, you know, I started off this year with $30 and a ton of debt. Cause I got into a really bad car accident last year that left me with a brain injury. And, um, I was living in my car, literally no other options. Um, but you know, the one thing that kind of like, kept me going was the the words I kept repeating in my head where I'm just not going to allow myself to fail. And, you know, before the NFT space, you know, existed, before I got into it, I got into the NFT space in like February, March, before all of that, I would figure things out. And I was just like, so okay with where I was at, because this was the only thing I wanted. Like I left, you know, my job because I I literally couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't, like, I had a hard time reading. Like I, everything was just so much harder. Like, so I like was like, okay, this is the only thing I want to do. I have nothing left to lose. Like, this is how I'm going to go in and try it. And so like, you know, at the time, like I was doing I was selling prints where I could, I was, you know, doing TikToks, like ghostwriting TikToks because I didn't have like the followers to support it. So I would like, you know, do the content and sell it for not that much money. Like literally anything I could to get by and like, you know, at the end of the day, like if this is your passion, if this is like, you know, what you want, like you will do absolutely everything in your power to make that happen, regardless of the circumstances. And, you know, like, that's what I get back to a lot. Because sometimes I feel like I've had a bit of a rough time, you know, in the space, like finding my way or feeling, you know, comparing myself to others. And like, you know, the comparison is the thief of joy. Um, and it's also going to be the one thing that's going to rob you of, you know, ever feeling happy with where you're at. Um, So I don't know. Like, I, whenever I struggle with, you know, oh, where's my places? Where's my place with that? Like, I think back to, you know, I made this work before. You know, I, I wasn't making it work. You know, I wasn't, I was literally, I'm, I'm, I still have only spent six weeks in my apartment this entire year. I didn't have an apartment until May. Um, I have been living in a 12 year old car, like, you know, and doing this, you know, I, I made it work for myself and I can make it work without NFTs. And now that I have this, like, I really, you know, you can't let, the, you can't let things get you down if you don't have, you know, what you immediately want happening. Like you can't let it down that you're not getting a sale every day. You can't look at somebody else's success and, you know, look at it and be like, well, that's, you know, I'm not successful in comparison to this person. Like you have to look at your own wins and ignore everything else. Like everything else around you, like, you know, what everyone else is doing, how they're doing, like their success, all that, that's all noise. And, you know, when you see that and you aren't focused on yourself like it's just noise that not going to help you like it's you have to drown that out and you know focus on like what really does matter um and you know like focus on how you can grow yourself and you know how you can focus on your own art and bettering yourself and bettering your mindset you know like I don't know like (laughs) at the end of the day like I've always told myself I'm not gonna let myself fail and that's the words I live by um so going back to what John said like you know success is failing over and over and over again like it is but success is always like I don't know. It's also, I just had a really bad, I don't even know what I'm saying. My brain just completely stopped. I, I don't know what I'm saying, but, um, but yeah, like success is, you know, rolling through the punches and, you know, it's just not giving up, I think. So um, the space isn't going anywhere. And again, I hate, I hate, I see this all the time. Like we're still so early, but we really are. And, you know, it's, it's still evolving and growing and things change all the time. And there's always new ways. Like when I felt discouraged, I was like, oh, like maybe no one likes my art. Like, what can I do? I'm like, I have a little bit of ETH. So I started flipping avatars, like, you know, like it's, there, there's always something you can do and, you know, you can always like, (laughs) if it's not your art, well, (laughs) why don't you use someone else's, you know? So, um, but yeah, um, I do want to hop off, but, um, I would like to make a request if there's any Mm way, um. We can maybe get um, another black speaker up here. I know that um, I have a few friends who have been requesting up here, um, but I'm gonna hop down now. So, but thank you, everybody. Space has been super awesome.
1: Thanks, Emily. Yeah, a couple points I'd like to. You know, I just
11: want to say. Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh no, I'm, I might ramble for a while because I was gonna recap a couple things that I heard, but uh, go ahead first
11: oh um i just you know she was talking about um, being discouraged and you know not selling right away you know i'm just gonna be honest i had the same thing with my collection when i first launched it because i spent so much time it's like my life's work like it was really discouraging at first when i was like wow i did not sell out at all within like the first not even a week. I, I think it took me like two and a half weeks. But, you know, at the end of the day, I still sold out. It just took me longer. And it does take time. And I hope people realize not everything is going to be a quick sellout. Like, even though it, it could be like those epic shit you've made, it's not going to be a sellout sometimes. And that's okay. But try not to play in into being discouraged and just keep pushing and talking about your work you'll find people who will love your work. Like I did one space and all of a sudden, I was like at work, like like, sold out, Um, you know, but I was like on week two, like going on to like the 13th day or something. Um, So I don't know, just try to believe in your work. And try, 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 try not to compare yourself to others' success, which is hard to do because you're constantly spammed here in this Twitter space about it. They cannot see it, (laughs) but do yourself in your art, and you know you will sell eventually. Yeah, I think
1: I think the common theme that a lot of us are talking about is what we deem as success, and I think the key takeaway is. You have to try not to tie your success to likes, followers, to sales, to factors that are really outside of your control. I think that the people who I've seen who are the most passionate photographers or artists are the ones who tie their success into their happiness of the work that they create. And that doesn't necessarily lead to a sale at the end of the day. But I can tell you, like, like I'm sure we all, when we were first starting art, like, I've never taken a photo and in the moment, taking the photo thought to myself, like, Oh my God, I'm going to sell this someday. Like that thoughts never crossed my mind when I've taken a photo, that's a product of a result that happens like days, months, years down the road for a lot of these things. So I think that maintaining like that as you're creating and just knowing that there's a lot of things in life that are completely outside of your control. And a lot of the people who you see succeeding in this space have been here a long, long time. So if you're just hopping in, in the last couple months, you're seeing these massive sales it's really hard to understand that these are a lot of people who have been here for you know upwards of a year now doing stuff so there's always the backstory that people you know can't see right that you can't see if people selling this stuff are have been talking to a collector for you know months on the back end like that you just didn't see that conversation happening then they have a massive sale and you see the massive sale because it's so forward-facing but you don't see the whole backstory so i think you have to keep in mind that There's always two sides to a story. It could be, you know, someone's friend who's big into the crypto space who's supporting them and you just don't even know that that's happening. So I've been talking to Deez a lot about this on the back end. I think that's one of the hardest things about this industry that we find ourselves in is tying it back to like Instagram or other mediums. Like you have no idea what other artists or creatives are doing their work for. Like, I don't know what, if I see another creator doing like a job for BMW, like I have no idea what he made for doing that job. So that's like, there's not really like much comparison. I mean, of course, there's like a little bit of envy that's natural in in any space where like, I wish I could have done that job, but I don't know if you did the job for free for 10,000 for 100,000. Whereas in this industry, like we see every single sale, like they get retweeted, like we know the exact financial value of every single transaction that happens. It's the beauty of the blockchain, but it's also the curse of it, right? I mean, it naturally leads to envy. So I think you just have to disassociate yourself with the sales that are happening all around you. And I think you truly have to see every sale as a success for the community as a whole. I, Whenever I get jealous because someone sells you know, something for a massive amount of money, I always think to myself, like, what is the opposite of this, which is an economy where no one's selling anything. And that is not better than someone selling something for a lot of money. So I think you have to see every sale as a small win for the community as a whole and think about the opposite, which is all of us not selling anything if you ever get jealous because that's the other flip side of that coin and you don't want that to happen.
4: I think it's interesting because, you know, I think you and I go more or less back on the same uh, time on Instagram, um, you know, the suggested user list and all that stuff. Uh, Fun memories, I believe you, <laughs> you can remember. Um, and, um, you know, back then people did measure their worth on, you know, on, 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 on um, basically their, their follower count. And, and there was a lot of people having, you know, mental, mental health issues uh, because of that. Um, and and I think that's some of the reflection that we're seeing uh, with the sales here. Um, but I think as the space matures and and the community grows bigger and bigger, um, I mean my hope is that we we as you say you know like this this you know each sale becomes a celebration uh, for the space growing bigger. Um, but it's also going to be less. Um, it's gonna be much easier not to compare yourself because the space is going to be so much bigger. Uh, at least that's why, why I see it. that's the way I, 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 I um, forecast it because I think I, by default because the community is so small, uh, we are prone to see you know, every little thing that happens, good or bad, uh, and it magnifies you know? it's like a little kid you know, when, when you know the world is so big uh, to him and, and, and I think you know in the stages where the market is right now um everything is big because it's the, the you know the, the community is still growing uh, but yeah i think when it, when you know things get bigger uh, all those things are just going to you know all those comparisons are going to seem so much more in hindsight what's up guys uh
18: yeah i definitely agree um with everything that uh, everyone has said so far hey Eric, how you doing um d's everybody um I wanted to follow up. It's been a little bit, but Eric, you had mentioned before about over minting and whatnot. And this isn't me trying to beat a dead horse. I just wanted to make mention of something just cause, uh, yeah, I just didn't know if it was like articulated fully and maybe I just missed it. Sorry. I'm single dad tonight. My other ones in the hospital. So I, <laughs> it's been a fun day. This has been my reprieve right here, but I feel like, um, if an art, first off, like you just said, artists, all kind of are motivated but for different reasons and some have to you know withdraw their money for fiat to pay their bills some are using it to reinvest in the collectors or i mean other artists excuse me whatever it might be etc etc and i and everyone has their own reasons and that's totally fair so i feel like i i love people that don't overmind but i also feel if you're selling out all your stuff and you have to sell for whatever reason You know, then do whatever you have to do because right now I feel as if there's not a. I do agree that there are, there are always going to be positive and benefits to any kind of situation, and I do think that you know, when you mint less, you hold value. It's way easier to control the supply. However, like, but you know, if you are like, man, I can't make money and I don't have. I don't want to make people like haggle people or be like, yo, resell my stuff or whatever it might be. Um, I, I don't know. a Part of me feels as if like, don't feel like, you know, you're going to like ruin your brand and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I just feel like I, I talked to a lot of artists who struggle with it and I feel like we're so early right now that if you gotta, if you need to do something to survive and, and make art, um, and you're an artist, like do what you know, do what you're best at. Right. So, um, but that's not to say that the other side isn't true too. So I just wanted to point that out just cause I know sometimes some people will get a little bit discouraged and, you know, everything works. I just, I think the beauty of it all is we are here and we can have an open conversation and people are willing to help each other out. And it may not be that way down the road, like Instagram is, but at least we can have this conversation. And, yeah, I think that's the beauty of this whole thing, like to each their own, but, you know,
15: no one's wrong. So many awesome new people on, on the stage. Drifter, Ben, Brittany, awesome. Hi. Hey. Brittany, hey, Brittany.
8: Brittany, yeah, had your hand raised. Hey.
19: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm hoping that the conversation before has died down. Also, my dog is begging for fries. So I'm sorry. Uh, shit, he's barking. <laughs> um, if I can, um, just ask a question, ask question about issues. really um, inviting more, <laughs> or inviting or, or making a safe space, <laughs> space for more black women, especially in the photography space. You're um, cutting out a little bit. Oh, one sec. AirPods actually sh- suck. I don't know if y'all know that. Yeah, you're better now. <laughs> yeah, you sound it's way so better. It's so bad. Now. Yeah. Okay. Really? I gotta wait for the check, bro. Chill. Um. So does your dog? So. <laughs> oh, here we go. So, um, my question is just making sure, or how can I? Of course, as a black woman, you see me. I'm black. Uh, make safer spaces, especially for black photographers. Um, I know y'all are pretty landscape heavy, and a lot of black women are just because of access. So, um, how can I make it more appealing for um, real uh, black women uh, in the space to come in and feel safe? Exactly.
18: Well, I'm not, yeah, first and foremost, I'm not Not black, but I'm welcoming of everybody. But what I would say is, I think if, like, just with anything, like, I've told people that aren't photographers at all come into this space. I think, like, I don't know. I just think that if they're willing to open themselves up and introduce themselves, I'm not saying they're not. I'm just, maybe in a smaller space, like, this is a, a pretty nice size one, but I feel... Like, I'm, I love all photography and all art. So if people want to share their stuff and tell their stories, please do. Like, seriously, I know some people are, are maybe a little afraid. So even if they are, if somebody else wants to speak on their behalf or they want to reach out to somebody prior, like, please do. Because, like, I feel as if there's so much art out there. And I definitely agree with you, Brittany, that maybe it's maybe a little bit. It's definitely, I mean, I would love to find more artists, uh, just black artists and, and just all like marginalized, you know, kind of classes and whatnot as well. Like, but I think that if they're, if they, if they come into some more of these spaces, uh, I would, at least if it were me, I and I know D's probably feel the same way, but like would welcome the opportunity just to hear their kind of photography. Because as much as I love landscape photography i do think it's cool like i'm open i think all of it's cool i think it's all it's got its place and so if anything i think there's the most of landscape so i'll I'll stop rambling so uh, omar can talk
19: for sure thank you for that and yeah i get a lot of black women coming to my dms because they know they can speak with me about how to break through that kind of landscape ceiling that's going on right now so uh thank you for that
4: hey Brittany. Uh, Brittany uh, you know back in the day <laughs> back in the day in March actually around March you know the there were not many photographers you know John John was part of that what was that What of that wave you know and we had the same question back then how, how can we bring more photographers uh, and our answer was always you know just just you know just hop, you know, just come along with, because, you know, back then the question was, you know, is photography going to survive? And, uh, you know, what do we have to do? To, to our work, you know, uh, to, to make it more appealing. So should we animate it or, or, or why not? And our answer, you know, and John can attest to that, you know, our answer back then was don't, don't, just bring your work as, as it is and come by the many, you know, and then the more we are in the space, uh, the more people are going to notice us. And that's one thing that, you know, I stuck by, and you know, we invited and we onboarded many photographers, and that's why you know today photography is being collected because we stood by our work. Uh, on the other hand, another thing that I did uh, for my community, for the Latino community, which which is something that I see you doing as well, is I started to create you know back then rooms in Spanish uh, for the Latino community, one for educating the community, but also just to get together. Uh, and empower ourselves because you know, for for us, oftentimes you know, it, it, English not being our first language, it is kind of challenging to hop on into you know spaces and 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 clubhouse rooms and you know talk because you're juggling two languages at the same time uh, and at the same time you know all the you know colonial and, and 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 you know other thoughts that come to your to your head, right? But we did the spaces, and I started doing the spaces. Just one again to to to. Share information in Spanish, but also just to encourage people and, and empower people so that when they go out to other spaces, they feel that they're not alone anymore. Uh, and that's something that definitely I've seen you doing, uh, and I've seen Raven doing, and other, uh, other uh, uh, POC uh, folks, um, and, and, uh, or BIPOC folks. And, and that's something that we can keep doing, you know. And you definitely know that you can with my support and, and with many uh, in the community for sure.
19: Yeah, Omar, you're the best. Thank you.
14: <clears throat> and Brittany, I think a big thing is—is is this is something I've been wanting to do, um, and I've just been extremely busy. But I, I think you know, Omar brings up a good point um, to where you know, um, definitely us getting together um, and creating some spaces for ourselves uh, would be good and would be awesome um, because it is hard. Um, and it is hard to get us all in one place. Um, and so, and I've just been, and this has been a long-term goal of mine. Um, and I've just been so overwhelmingly busy lately. Uh, but this, that's that's a that's a good starting point, you know, um, because only, there are some elements of our experiences and our experiences on and offline and et cetera that only we're going to understand. Um, and so giving Ourselves, um, a voice and carving out a place for ourselves is something that we really have to take control of, um, and that's hard sometimes because I think a lot of times not not everybody has to do that, but that's something that like is definitely a thing that we have to do, um, and so and that's something that I've been thinking about heavily lately um, because it's something that I want. Uh, just being a Black artist myself. Um, so we'll talk more about it. Um, and no, no matter how much or how little time I have right now, this is definitely something that uh, I want to use my platform to create. So, um, and, and, you know, I appreciate you and Raven both, you know, uh, pushing pushing for a space for, for us um, and for Black women, um, you know, who have it even harder than us as Black men. Um, and I just want you to know that it's not overlooked and that it's appreciated and that um, it, it's it's valued. Um, and there's time for us to create something very solid and something that we can, uh, you know, kind of consolidate and help help each other and amplify each other's voices. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah,
19: thank you, Drift. You know, you're Chicago, so I got you. It's just, I know how important NFTs can be to the Black community, how it can really be the great equalizer. All the money that can be made, that can be divvied out to different communities. It's really what drives me forward. That's why I give away over half of my proceeds to Black-led organizations. So uh, thank you for recognizing that, Drift because you've been a pillar, you've been a big inspiration, especially to me, to just through all the adversity, to just keep going, because you know something's got something good has to happen because of all the shit that already happened, you know so thank you for that, Drift.
14: Absolutely I mean, you know um, you said it, I mean I think I think often about what NFTs could do for our community, um, because I'm already seeing that work in my own life um, and I'm already seeing it at work in the lives of, you know, my friends and people that I was incarcerated with that now I'm getting to help change their lives and, you know, so many different things, you know, um, I just, I think about this almost every single day, how uh, this new world could be, and I think it's designed to be, or should be designed to be, to help equalize, uh, things in the world, you know, um, and so that's such a big part of it. And beyond my art, you know, that's where my headspace is at now is how can I create, uh, value and create, um, something for generations going forward for us to have more of a fighting chance where it doesn't really matter what you look like or where you come from, um, et cetera. And, you know, I, I am like a p- perfect example of that, you know, um, And I think a lot of people know that um, because just five months ago, I was, you know, sleeping on jail room floors and everywhere else, you know, and facing uh, incredible odds at this very same system that we're talking about, like right now. And now, you know, we're winning and this has helped me have a fighting chance all because of NFTs. But just imagine if they weren't here, you know. I would not be having the legal team that I have. I would not be winning my cases. I you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't be, but I'm saying that there would not be as much of a chance. So the ripple effect of all of this goes so far we don't even we don't even know. And just seeing what's done in my own life, I have to believe that it could be that way for so many of us. And so that's gonna be something for us to carve out. Um for ourselves in the upcoming days, weeks, months, years, really, you know. Um, And for us being here, yes, we say all the time we're early, but just imagine, you know, what this can do, you know, because a lot of times, too, we're not, you know, when it comes to black tech and things like that, a lot of us are not on the cutting edge of a lot of things like this. But if we can start, consolidating and we can and we can work to make that happen there's really no saying like what we could do Um, and so I know it's tiring like I know I know how it feels to fucking be screaming in the dark and no one's helping you you know Um, I went through months of that uh, and this community largely gave me a much bigger voice but, you know, continue, continue to fight because at the end of the day, like the fight is literally all we have. So uh appreciate you.
19: Thank you, Drift. Shout out to May, McIver, all my peeps in here. Uh, thank you guys for bringing me up. Thank you, Emily. That was real big of you. And thank you, Ds and everyone. And thank you all for listening. Um, as white people, that's all we ask is for a space where you listen. And um this has been... A very good experience. So I didn't realize there were 500 people in the room, so now I'm nervous, so I'm going to go back down.
2: <laughs> I think um, it's good timing, but Eric has to... Hey, hey
18: Brittany. Oh, sorry, you go. Eric
2: has to run to dinner at some point shortly, so we'll have to, to wrap up soon. Um, but, yeah, I, I try to get everybody up. We have, like, 10-plus requests at all times, so it, it gets hard to get everybody, and there's so many people that you want up, and you still want to, like... It's hard because, like, you can't really kick anybody, but you want to get other people up and you're just sitting there like, all right. Um, But, yeah, I appreciate everybody coming up and sharing and talking about their story and what we can do. And I like hearing everyone else's perspective because, um, you know, I I try to have all interesting people up no matter what. Like, I think you're interesting. I want to hear your story. Um, That's how I've kind of always approached it. And I think that's like how I always collect too. Like, if I just hear a good story behind something, then uh, I'm down. I, it doesn't, I don't really like, uh, get too caught up. I just like the connection between me and the artist and me and the piece.
0: Yo, and I don't know if anybody said anything yet, but today is Dee's birthday. So, yeah. hey, Happy
3: birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday.
4: Thank for you. Being
2: Thank with happy us, you. birthday! I, uh, you know, did what I normally do any other day today. Just kept it <laughs> like any other day. We uh, ate like shit all weekend, so I, I did not really need to eat like shit again today. I'm feeling old too.
1: It's like, um... dude, that just that just goes to show so much that despite it being your birthday, you still how many focus on giving us these conversations and a floor to talk amongst the community. I think it's just it says everything about you.
2: Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing right now, anyway. Um, like just scrolling through all these discords and looking at other stuff and having great conversation the whole time, like it's just, you know, I why would I not do this? <laughs> it's just a win. I
1: think, I think we got to run it back soon. I, I love the thing that happened in the last two and a half hours was we talked very little about our individual projects. Like I don't, I don't think anyone talked about their own work for more than, you know, a couple minutes. I think it was Super introspective stuff, like community conversations, just like making sure that we continue to build this thing in the right direction. There's always going to be spaces and opportunities for people to talk about their work, but I think it's equally important for us to all just dive a little bit deeper and have these types of conversations where we talk about things that maybe don't come as easy and natural as it does talking about our own, you know, photography or art or that kind of stuff. So I thought that was awesome. I love diving deeper on like philosophical stuff. I mean, if you read what I write on Twitter, you probably get a sense that I, I like to think outside of like just the picture itself. So I think that was like a really cool thing that we focused on today. Hopefully we can run it back soon.
7: Yeah.
2: I think um, in particular, if we, we had talked about doing a second space or a second, maybe like a more timeless call with like um, Dave, Ravi. See who else we can get, Kath, um, maybe a couple big collectors too. Like I, I know we wanted to get the collector perspective on like what do they want to see and like what do they eye when they're picking up pieces. Um, I'd love to to do something like that as well. And I think this will be a really good recording for people. So if anybody got in late or wants to share this one, um, I should have it up tomorrow. Yoko in the audience is recording it and he's king. And yeah, we should have it up maybe in a day or two. So look out for that. I'll share it. Sweet. And um, thanks
1: for your Yeah, time I'll in. share that. I'll share that too. Yeah, thank you, Deez. And if anyone um, kind of going with a the theme, like I always try to be open, not gatekeeping any information. I don't know if I have the info to answer your question, but I've been doing you know Instagram photography a long time. So there's anything I can help with hop into my DMs on Twitter or Instagram. If I know the answer, I will try to help you if I can. So don't think that anything's like hidden information or secret. Um, Ask me if I can help um, hit me up.
15: Yeah, I agree with that. Anyone that has questions, just shoot us a DM, but please don't send links because I personally don't click on anyone's link in DMs. So if you want to show me something, just say, look at my profile. Um, but yeah, so I won't click on your link,
19: but please ask questions, anyone. Max, why now?
15: Because there's such a prevalence of scams in the space that I would highly recommend everybody actually take that as a blanket fundamental thing to not do. Um, just if you want to share something, say, check out the link in my profile, um, check out my pinned tweet, something like that because it's public domain and it's been vetted. Um, but I certainly won't, even if you've got a tick next to you, I might care. If I won't look at your, I won't click something in a DM that's that's a link.
2: If you're really super anal, get a laptop that is only for crypto and then use another computer that you can click links on. But yeah, anyway, we're going to end it. Sweet Dee's, thanks again. I'm
1: hopping <laughs> off. I'm hopping off. I got a six-month-old and um, turns out when you have a baby, uh, you're not in control of your own time schedule anymore. It's not about you. So I got <laughs> well, to enjoy, enjoy the, <laughs>
2: the uh, in-law with the fun guests and the good menu. It sounded good.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of D's Spaces. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify and iTunes to catch future episodes, and we'll see you in the next space.